Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Good Monday morning to everybody. I'm sure the chat is popping with the usual suspects, and I want to say this is Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. Already butchered the uh, the, the tagline here. But uh, Tom Brenneman, hopefully, hopefully, is uh is 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 on his way back he said that he's he's starting to feel a little bit better Uh, i want to give an update right off the top of the show starting to feel a little bit better we'll see where it goes but again uh keep tom brenneman in your thoughts i think that he is uh he's starting to feel a little bit a little more confident i don't know what term you'd like to use this is all me obviously being hugely speculative of, of of me having conversations with him but hey that's what we do on sports talk show we do do nothing but speculate we come with some facts every so often and we speculate most of the show that's the truth here's the deal uh you can watch this show every single day monday through friday from 10 a 12 p there we go we're getting a little bit better nowhere near as good as paul and tom but you know what sometimes you know, sometimes uh, peanut butter and jelly, the sandwich is rivaled by none, and that's just what they used to be. They were they were great at it. We are what we are. All right? We're the JV squad. That said, you can watch this show, and by watch, I mean listen. That's a bit at this point. I hope people get that. If you don't get it, I'm sorry. I have to tell my own jokes type thing, but that's where I'm at with this whole thing. The podcast uh, can be listened in pretty much every form or fashion possible. You've heard us say this time and time again. Uh, but nonetheless, fellas... This is going to be an all-time show because, you know, when you wake up some days, one, I'm well-rested. I think it was the first time I went to bed before 10.30 at night in at least two years. Really? I don't know how it happened. It just happened. And largely because the Reds didn't play at night. That's one positive. Um, What do I get as a reward? Reds play basically uh, on the uh, on the west coast for the next week and uh, the, the, the starting time for the show tonight for Chatterbox Reds probably 12p uh, there we so, go. no 12a 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 yeah 1159p right don't want to make that mistake but here's the thing uh, there is a plethora of things that happened over the weekend we were kind of just jotting about those before the before the show started and we all have a little bit of a it's like a uh, what's the right term is a, a Swergusburg 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 I know I just butchered the hell out of a that cornucopia. saying but um, but you get what I mean and that's the whole point of communication that's why I try to tell my kids all the time I have one kid that just decides he's going to correct me every time I say something slightly wrong which is not the best way to be in life right if you're that type of person you just stink. I try to tell him that he stinks when he does that type of stuff. But at the end of the day, communication is about trying to get one word from the next person uh, to the next person to understand it. And you guys understood the smorgasbord, whatever that smorgasbord, yeah, whatever the term is. I don't even know what that is. I guess we can Google it later in the show. But nonetheless, let's start with uh, around the room, fellas. Hopefully, how was your weekend first and foremost, and then uh, maybe one thing that you want to discuss on this show that you think is relatively interesting. We'll do that. Reed, we'll go from left to right. We'll start with you. Yeah, it was uh, it was a very busy weekend. Very very it busy was. weekend. Shout uh, out it to was you. A, a lot of things were were completed here at Chatterbox Sports, and we're excited about that. Um, one thing I want to talk about has the the Marte experiment failed. Why he always got to do a bit? <laughs> why, why why do 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 it? Here what he comes. What do we see? I mean, what do we see? It's failed. Do 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 <laughs> out from under the troll. Out from under his bridge, the troll oh. crawls right up. And that's what he does every morning. That's a little troll sound for you. Up from under his bridge. Go ahead. Go ahead. Continue. That was it. That was all I got. Has the no- Noel Fe Marte experiment failed? 
Okay, all right. So I had an okay weekend. I had a pretty good weekend. I went to I went to the Sino on Saturday night, and the Sino went well for Elliot. Oh, it did. It I went did. on. I went on an all-time blackjack heater. It was one of the best. It was one of the best runs I've ever been on. So shout out to the Sino. Uh, other than that, the high school football pick'em. We'll get those scores later. Uh, turns out Reed was right. I don't know high school football very well. Didn't know it at all. In fact, you could say I went over. But <laughs> tough. It was, it was, yeah, it was a tough. It was a tough. It was a tough one on Friday. It was a tough one. I don't know. What have we decided a prize for that yet? You say you said that whoever comes in last gets fired. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, we might have to revise that. We might have to revise. How, okay. Well. Paul didn't submit his picks this week, so maybe he's at the bottom. Okay. Casey, what about you, Viking Helmet Boy? Um, you know, Elliot. Hang on one second. Yeah, you got to switch the camera. I, I had to uh, don this helmet because it worked on Friday, and I didn't wear it for two days straight, and they looked not great. So it's time to wear the helmet again. Um, this weekend was all right. I took the time to just relax, take care of my house, mow the lawn. And, you know, watch some Reds and, you know, wallow in pity as they lose this over this weekend. So that's, that's been my weekend so far. You, you wore the helmet on Friday and they won. Yeah. You, you obviously didn't have access to the helmet over the weekend and they lost Saturday and Sunday. So I'm, you might have to be wearing that helmet more often. Not that jinxes exist. I'm I'm fully prepared and ready. Yeah. Well, you know I, what I just realized. I just ahead, realized, uh, Casey, that we have a proposition. We knew what the score, we knew what the total was when the old folks were back in this office, the original crew. But you know what? We have some new blood in here. I know for a fact Casey McCollister is on team jinx, or at least team like don't you don't need to try to poke the bear jinx, right? There's correct. a difference. Yeah, we might. Me and Casey aren't idiots. We probably know that, oh, in the grand scheme of things, us saying something probably has little to no effect on the score of the game. But if you got a lot of money on something or you got a lot of heart into something, a lot of passion into something, what's the point? Why poke the bear? Why send the text message out saying that you automatically have already won something when you haven't actually won it? You know, you're, 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 you know that, it just, that just doesn't make sense to me. Casey's on my team. I know that I'm there, obviously. Uh, I don't say I'm the leader of the bunch, but uh, we at least have been on this train together. Me and Casey have been linked in arms trying to say, hey, let's not jinx this, okay? And then you got Paul, all right? R.I.P. Paul, quitter Paul. He decides <laughs> He decides that he's going to link arms with Reed and be like, oh, this is so stupid. So they go all the way off the deep end. Now that leaves one person left in the room that we got to figure out where he stands on this very, very, very serious topic. Elliot? Yeah, do jinxes exist? Jinxes absolutely exist. Absolutely, they do. There we go. All right. So if you, if you're ever going to say like if I have if I have a, a friendly wager on the greatest sportsbook known to man, Bedford, if I have a wager on Bedford and somebody comes up to me and my team's up, I don't know, uh, three points over the spread, right? So they're beating the spread by three points. They said it's a, and they say it's a lock. It's over. I I'll leave the room. I'll have to leave. I'll have to leave the facility. I'll have to leave wherever I am, and I'll have to get in the right head, headspace because I know they just killed my bet. Which is a story that we should tell. Uh, Brandon Seho, shout out Brandon. Uh, he was a part of, uh, obviously, Chatterbox. And then when we did our show at Wings and Rings, no free ads, but we were there. Um, and we did our live show there. And yeah. we had our, our, our gambling deal going on. And I, I decided that I don't remember exactly uh, what it was. But I do know that Virginia was involved. And they were playing that little lowly team. Who were they playing? Some, some no-name team. 
I forget um, who. Oh, they were playing uh, uh, Furman. 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 Furman, exactly. Yeah, yeah, Furman. Alex Williams. Alex Williams. Yeah. yeah, Alex Williams. Shout out Alex Williams, Moeller grad, uh, Furman. Here's the deal. I had Virginia money line that I took like halfway through the second half for even money. It was like Virginia was down by <laughs> 9 or 10. I took them. I took the hundred dollar. I think it was a hundred dollar free bet. Just trying to get my day started. Betfred gave us like a hundred, hundred and fifty dollar free bet to everyone at Chatterbox, and we all went together, or at least we thought we did. We thought we all went together on Virginia. Yes, I forgot about that. We this wasn't we just a together. one person thing. This was everybody. Yeah, thing. we all like all we of all us, did. including Tom, and made his first bet ever on this free bet for Virginia. And lo and behold, uh, Brandon Sayo somehow at some point. Put a put a put a five dollar bet or something like that, and no unit shaming. All right, no unit shaming, but it might have been a five dollar bet, may or may not have been, on Furman. I think to to money win line. Money, yeah, line. money line. You know, maybe it won like I don't know eighty, ninety, a hundred dollars, whatever it was. That's beside the point. Kind of is the point, but you get my point. All right. When when Furman stole the ball and Virginia threw that little half court hail mary pass or whatever the hell that was, it was the worst pass of all time, if you remember. I wanted to largely kill Brandon Seho in that very moment. <laughs> and he knew, he knew this. Clip? He knew this. I was not happy with Brandon. Um, so I'm with you, Elliot. It brings back that point. There's no reason to poke the bear when someone's got money on something. Jinx. Absolutely none. No, yeah. Jinxes do exist. Jinxes exist more in March Madness, too, because there's, li like, there's no way like, you can ever guess it right. So the, the chaos is going to ensue. You just have to, you have to be unified. As, as, as a bunch of gamblers, again, Bedford Sportsbook, the greatest sportsbook known to man, Correct. you have to be unified with it. And if, if, one, if one of the pack goes against the grain and tries to be silly and tries to make their own little money in, in a secret little way, it kills the vibe. The gambling gods know. The gambling gods are always watching. That so they you gotta do. Be, you got to be mindful. All right. Well, let's, uh, we're, we're outnumbered Reed at this point. That's good to know. Uh, Jim asks, is that. Tracy Jones on the show today? He is on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Um, that is the plan. I do. That reminds me. I need to text Tracy back. He texted me over the weekend, I think, and I just uh, – it was one of the craziest Fridays in Chatterbox. Uh, not history, but in, in a while, if we're you being big honest. league the big leaguer? In a while. I didn't – I did not try you to big league the big league. You big league the big, big, league. big, no. league the big leaguer? <laughs> Trace, that's a hell of a move. It's a hell of a move. Mr. 2-9, not going to be happy. I mean, I, he played I, for five I, professional I, franchises. I, and listen, he big leagued them. It, it, it's not. It's not. It's not a purposeful thing. Okay. It just. It just. Literally. It just reminded me. Jim. Jim just reminded me that I need to do that. Okay. All right. So I'm going to send Tracy Jones a text back when the show's over. All right. Other news to note. You. 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 You didn't even give us a chance. We try to start the show off relatively serious. Reed goes right off the rails because he comes out of the troll bridge. <laughs> Elliot, we're going to try to get this show back on track slightly. Sure. Do you have one thing that, over the weekend that that happened that you were that was enjoyable? Do you want to share your experience as a Friday night, or do you just want to keep that to yourself? That's up to you. I was going to keep it to myself, but you, if you'd like me to go on a tangent, I can surely go on one. I think that would be a bad idea. Yeah, I office. think it would be too. Yeah, so Friday was great. I, I think uh, we had a, we all had a fun time. The Bengals won. Well, they didn't win. They tied because pre pre they basically won. Preseason. They were underdogs. No, I won't say that either. I'm boxed in. I'm boxed in on what I can say now. I'm boxed in on what I can say. But Friday, the weekend was good. I golfed. I golfed on Saturday. We have a, we Trace and I have to edit a golf video this week. That's going to be great. How'd that go? Uh, huh? How'd that golfing go on Saturday? I started out with five straight pars. Nice. That's good. good. Finished with a 94. Hmm. Mm. Elliot. All right. Not great. Not great. I'm cold. 
I'm ice cold. Trace. <laughs> Trace. No spoilers. Okay, you're right. Never mind. Sorry. All right. I can't just say, I can't say anything. I can't say anything. Okay. Well, what, what, you still haven't given me one thing over the weekend of sports. You guys in that chair need to wake up over there. Can we get some sports? I gave you some. I what do you want me to say? There's no sports going on. The Reds keep losing. <laughs> no. I mean, there's just no sports. <laughs> the Brewers keep freaking winning. The What's up with that? The Brewers they just keep yeah. winning. Brewers. They go over the Rangers. American League. Yeah, they go over to the American League and kick the Rangers' butt. Well, score like 30 runs. Perhaps the Brewers are better than we thought. I don't know. Casey, you obviously have seen some sports over the weekend. These guys act like nothing existed outside the real. Reds. Hell yeah. is real. L L L L L. How'd your real. weekend go? Yeah, I mean, I, everything I watched was actually kind of a disaster in a way. <laughs> like <laughs> the Reds stinked. Uh, FCC, they really stinked last night. Um, the Bengals, I mean, they tied thirteen to thirteen on a preseason game. So uh, there was some good stuff though to take away from that preseason game. Still uh, got to see Jonah Williams play at right tackle for the first time. He looked decent. Uh, first team defense got a turnover on the first drive. That was good. Um, personally, I, I'm a big Falcons guy right now. So seeing how they just went down the field and almost got a, a touchdown, that was that was interesting. But yeah. um, You're high on the Falcons? I am high on the Falcons. Okay. Wow. I'm very high on the Do Falcons. Do you think Desmond Ritter's a, a, an NFL quarterback? To be determined. I mean, last night or the the what was it Friday? I mean, he looked decent until the red zone. Can I it, it was a good play too. Can like I ask it was a serious question. Yeah, you're high on the Falcons. Yeah. After that game. Yeah. They scored, and again, I'm not trying to be funny. I'm not trying to get a laugh. <laughs> no, Tim Robinson. <laughs> they scored 13 points against a team who was openly not trying. And, yeah, the, and, and the, and after points were scored, in like in the last drive, when really nobody cared. Yeah, so, but the, the the same. The, but like, like, what what was the part of that game where like, yeah, the Falcons got it? They scored thirteen against the team who didn't try. Yeah, but they they also didn't try either. I mean, they they both tried. They certainly for the first did. Try. They certainly did. They well, both that tried begs for the, the question: Why well, wasn't anybody trying? <laughs> I mean. CC. Oh. All right. Anyways, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. What do you mean? They they both didn't. They both did the exact same thing. They both had their first teams out for the first drive. They both took Jamar out Chase the first teams. Not for offense and oh, defense, but just, defense? just for that one drive. What their did he First play? team offense and their first team defense for our side, all played, and then they were taken out. And then okay. it was it, it was the exact same thing that the Bengals did. And what I saw, I thought was really good. Bijan Robinson, he looks good. Bijan Robinson did look good. All right. Well, we can't really discuss running backs on the show because otherwise, Reed Mouse will go on a tangent for five minutes talking about no, how they're worthless no. and meaningless. We can't so talk we about don't. preseason football either, Trace. We well, can't we talk can't. About the meaningfulness of it. Uh, can, no, I, can, I, can I harken back to this preseason thing? I think uh, it got a little taken out of context, okay? Uh, Seriously. What? Preseason football has its meaningful moments, it has meaningful moments. But to sit here and act as if that you should that you should maybe go in or out or believe in a team or not believe in a team based off preseason football, I think is a little outlandish. Now, I've been wrong before. I've had I've had bad takes before. Uh, not many. Don't think I've had many. However, to be fair to Casey and to be fair to Reed, maybe there's a chance that preseason football will be a little more meaningful to me after something happens that I just didn't foresee coming. However, for the most part, I think if your guys stay healthy, all right. And you could argue that maybe your starting guys get just a little bit of rep 
Just, just they don't even need to play that great, in my opinion. They just need to get some reps underneath them, and they don't get hurt. Then all is well. We keep it moving. It's like, you know, uh, I know many of us in this chat probably hate Adam Wainwright, right? And actually, maybe everyone in the room uh, maybe hates Adam Wainwright because we have a fellow Cub resident in here. So sure. when we talk about the Cardinals, I think we're all on the same team. Adam Wainwright did say something very, very pointed and very, very um, mature, I think, when he was uh, kind of mic'd up. I don't think they have, like, MLB films, although good idea. seems like it's something they should probably do, MLB films, NFL films, a lot of success. Almost like if every other league in the, in the country just copied off the NFL, they'd probably be better for it, but that's here nor there. Um, so it was similar like MLB films where Adam Wainwright was going to the bullpen and they had him mic'd up. And he was talking about his you know, pre-start routine and how some guys just get really enamored by the superstitions and the details and feeling like they got to do every single little thing this way, that way. And before right. they go to start, they don't, they wouldn't feel right if they didn't do that. And he said, I don't treat that at all. I just go out here. I warm up my body. I let it feel loose. If I throw bad pitches in the bullpen, well, it's just the bullpen. I'm not all that worried about it, to be honest with you. Now, a lot of pitchers would tell you the opposite, right? And be like, this pitch is working today. This pitch isn't working today, blah, blah, blah. After 30 pitches in the bullpen, they've made up what their 90 pitches in the game are going to be, or at least what they feel like they should be. And Adam Wainwright simply said, the bullpen and warming up out here in the outfield is simply for that. Take it or leave it. That's all I treat it as. Sometimes I come in here, I make great pitches in the bullpen. I go out there, I get rocked. Sometimes I come into the bullpen, I throw terrible pitches. I don't have any command at all. I get out there to the game, something clicks. Next thing you know, I throw a two-hit shutout. That's something of what I feel like preseason football is. It's like, it's just, it has meaning. You can't not do it. Tom sat up here right at this very desk and screamed. And you, everybody laughed, including me a little bit, if we're being honest about the fact that the offensive line has never played together. They need to play. They need to play. They need to play. And to be fair to Tom, if we're being fair, he was kind of right. Now, you could say that it, at the end of the year, maybe in the grand scheme of things, you know, it didn't matter because they were playing great football. But the argument of they need to stay healthy, that's why they shouldn't play, didn't really work out either. It's almost like, um, it's almost like humans think they control more than they really do, you know, and that's not to get all over the place, but I feel the same way a little bit about pitch counts anymore. It's like, I don't know if we have enough data to prove that obviously overly excessive pitch counts is one thing, but this whole hundred pitch mark, the century mark, the hundred, is that really that big of a number anymore? And should we treat it like it's a huge deal? When in reality, it might just be some guys are going to get hurt and you can't control it. How are you supposed to control, and this is a, a long-winded way of saying we'll go around the room, but like, how are you supposed to control Collins getting hurt in that game? He, he, it was a terrible play. It was unlucky. No matter if he started in the preseason or didn't start in the preseason, no matter if he took rest or took time off, he still was getting hurt. So that's my only point about the preseason. I'm not saying it's completely worthless. I don't know if we want to get into the subject yet, but if I was the Bengals, I would have a little concern about my backup quarterbacks because I watched a little bit of that game. Man, I'll tell you what. I don't understand how there's this, the, that there's this big of a drop-off between really good quarterbacks in the NFL and that. How is that even possible? Yeah, that's, that's been the talk for the past few weeks. And, and Trace, well, to, to the point about preseason is the, the winner and loser doesn't matter in a preseason game. I feel like that's, that's what's tripping us up in this whole argument. It doesn't matter if you win or lose. It's all about just getting the right guys, getting them reps, seeing how 
different guys look, seeing how guys that are trying to earn roster spots, seeing how guys that you think are going to be a big piece of the offense, similar right, to spring right. training. Like it doesn't matter if you win or lose the game. You just want to see the arms that, that you think are going to be a part of the team. You want to see them throw good innings and you want to see the, the bats go out there and have some competitive at bats. You want to see the same thing in, in football. Um, when you were telling that Adam Wainwright story about how he doesn't have any superstitions before before he pitches, it sounded almost like you were going on the jinxes don't exist train. You were teetering on that fence. Yeah. But no, it just the the quarterback play is a little a little alarming. It's a little alarming. I, I think we talked about this last week. Does the backup quarterback matter if Joe Burrow's done for 12 weeks? No, it doesn't matter in that case because then the season's the season's cooked, right? That's not what we're worried about. We just want a guy, if Joe Burrow, you know, bangs up his knee and, and you know, just needs a week of rest and, and can't play the second half of a game, we need someone that can that can close the game out. That's all you need. And, and I think everyone, uh, James Rapine, the guys on Chatterbox Bengals, Game On, and, and Just Eric, who, who launched their show on Friday, had a great show. They, they talked about it. We, we all are worrying about the same thing. And, we don't have that guy. We don't have a guy that if, if Joe does go down for a couple series that can tread water until Joe can come back and, and play a game. If Joe misses one week because he's going to be hurt for some odd reason or another, we don't feel confident in, in Jake Browning or Trevor Simeon getting the Bengals the win. It's all these things that are, are very alarming, and that's what the preseason's for. It's, it's, it's not about the, the key guys because you expect the key guys to go out there and play. It's the auxiliary guys. How do they look? Do they look more confident going into the season? That's all it is. Yeah, I think preseason football is a lot like Mac football and college football. The, the wins and losses don't matter at all. But everybody's out just there just to have a good time. We're just having fun. That's it's essentially how I compare it. You know, like Toledo, they're not going to win championships. They're not. I mean, it doesn't matter how many games they win. But they're going to show up. They're going to do their best. They're going to have a tailgate on Saturdays, and that's really what it is. Um, the backup quarterback situation is a problem. People are saying that it doesn't matter. It does matter. If you can't have a guy who can throw a football in the third quarter when Joe Burrow takes like a shot to the helmet, we're going to have a problem. There's going to be a serious issue if Jake Browning comes out there. And that's who it's going to be because Simeon's looked like the worst quarterback to ever walk the planet. So it's going to be Jake Browning out there who knows this offense. And unfortunately for us, unfortunately for the Bengals, unfortunately for the city, it's not going to go well. So I, it's too late to sign a, another, another quarterback at this point, right? I mean, I don't know who would be – is Carson Wentz available? It just we, depends on who gets Andy cut. Dalton. Can we get Car Andy Dalton's – yeah. Brandon, get, Brandon Allen might Cam get Newton. cut. Can we get Cam Newton? Can, the city would love Cam Newton. I don't think they would. I don't think I they think would either. I think this is a bit I – don't, I don't think they would either, <laughs> Trace. Uh, but no, but as of this moment, if Joe Burrow goes down, we're, we're not going to win a game if he, if he goes out. For what it's worth, if Joe, if Joe goes down for a serious injury, like 12 weeks, I think that the Bengals would go get somebody if, like that if they were available. Like if Cam yeah. Newton's still on the, the still available and Joe Burrow's got a season-ending injury, oh my God, heaven forbid, week five, like something like that, we would the Bengals would absolutely go out and get somebody on the chopping block to say like, hey, let's let's try and still compete this year a little bit. I so I last year I thought Brandon Allen was terrible. Whenever whenever I had to watch he's Brandon like he's Allen, a hog. whenever I had to watch Brandon Allen, I got upset. I think Brandon Allen blows these two guys out of the water. I don't yeah. think it's close. I think Brandon Allen's a significantly better quarterback. He could get cut from the 49ers. They've got four quarterbacks, I think, right now. All right, so, so we'll get their garbage and we'll use them over here. That's that's the way we do it. I'll take him. We do like garbage. You know, Tom loves that San Francisco garbage. <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> uh, so we'll we'll take we'll take him back. Brandon Allen will be here, and we can send Simeon to the Sun or wherever he goes. Casey, do you have uh, the 49ers? I didn't have this on the bingo card at 1025 on August 21st, 2023 on Off the Bench, but uh, here it goes. 
Do you have the depth chart, or do you have the guys that the 49ers have on their roster for, for the quarterback position? Yeah, I, I can list them for you if you want. If you have them right the, now, go the ahead and list them. Head. So we got Off Sam the top Darnold, of your head, this is even Sam more impressive. Darnold, we have Brock Purdy. We have Trey Lance, Brandon Allen, and then there might be one other guy. Hmm. Maybe. So Brandon Allen's getting cut. Probably. Yeah. yeah probably. So then, so then it was just gonna. That's what's just gonna happen. Hi, right, and Brandon Allen, welcome back in. I know you you, you enjoyed your time off there in, in San Francisco. Hopefully, you enjoyed the weather. Welcome back to Cincinnati. Not as great of weather. Um, shout out to Brandon Allen though. Maybe you can figure out a way to make it to make a difference there in San Francisco. Wouldn't that be uh, if you're a backup quarterback? I feel like that would actually be the thing that I would that that I would care about the most. And I know that sounds wild, but like I actually think I would put the precedent of where I was living in the city first on that list. Maybe the team I could care less about because I'm not playing anyways. I know I'm a selfish guy in saying that. You could say, oh, well, you want to play for a good team? I don't know, man. I mean, if I'm the backup quarterback, whatever. I'm just getting a paycheck. I'd like to live somewhere nice. I'd much rather live, per se, in, like, San Diego, which, a shout-out to them, RIP, can't go there anymore. But if, if the next on the list would probably be L.A., maybe you could say, arguably, San Francisco, maybe somewhere warmer. Could you imagine getting getting uh, picked up by, like, the the – the Patriots, and you have to be, you have to do the Patriot way and be a backup and live in New England. Mm. That would be miserable. Um, the Reds, mm. I've seen some people in the chat, they're already upset about this a little bit. Here's the thing um, obviously, Chatterbox Reds takes a lot of my takes out of me already. There's only so many things that I could possibly say in, in, in one given time frame that, that I feel like is uh, realistic and or proper to discuss. The Hunter Green thing, listen. I, th I see both sides of the aisle. I do. I understand why both sides are the way they are. I think that we could all just meet in the middle here and say, hey, let's give this a little more time before we make executive decisions on what Hunter Green is or is not. Hunter Green is a guy that has really good stuff, right? And stuff is in quotations. Anytime you get into the analytics, the metrics of rotations of a baseball and how fast and how hard it should be to hit somebody, he is going to be at the elite level, right? Then you have guys who don't care less about any of that. And they say, well, when I watch him, uh, he's got a four-plus ERA last year. He's got a four-plus ERA this year. Hell, this year might even be in fives. I'm not sure right off the top of my head. And then you're going to have people that are going to argue on the other side, well, ERA is a bad stat, and, and then it just turns into this big bickering match. I would just say let's let it breathe a little bit before we jump to huge conclusions on a guy that's coming back for the first time in two months. All right? For the first guy in two months – He's probably maybe going to be rusty, but even more so, I would argue that both sides might be right. I don't know yet. I'm kind of just saying I want to wait and see. Hunter Green might not be an ace, but he's not a fifth starter either. There's a He might end up being a two or three guy. If Andrew Abbott ends up being the ace, would you be surprised? If I said Graham Ashcraft in two years ended up being the ace, would you be surprised? I know I'm missing guys. Um, Ladolo, I'll be honest about Ladolo. Until you, until you're healthy long enough for me to be able to see that, you know, I, health matters. Why? Health matters. Your best, of, your best abilities, availability. You've heard us say that a thousand times on this show and a thousand times in this office of Chatterbox Sports. I'm not. I, I guess the one thing I would say that's a critique of Hunter Green is this. It doesn't mean I'm off the bandwagon. It doesn't mean I think that you should go, you know, run into, run into the, uh, to, to your neighbor screaming and yelling about it. But I would say 
I, I'm hard-pressed to believe that a Justin Verlander, and again, you might pull up a stat that says, yeah, this happened. Two different outings gets hit that hard. If your stuff is that good, I'd understand maybe one time, but this hasn't happened just one time. This has been a couple different times now where he's gotten absolutely blistered. And I mean, he's gotten balls hit harder than, than, uh, than you could possibly believe in one outing. And maybe he's tipping his pitches. You could say that. But I think it's reasonable to be somewhat concerned about that. Yeah, I mean, I don't even think you can tip your pitches when you only throw two. So you, there's literally two pitches he throws. It's going to be difficult to have a high success rate if your fastball is not. And it wasn't on yesterday. He gave up five home runs, two of them to the same guy, a 40-year-old Brandon Belt. I, I'm not going to say I'm concerned because he was one of the best pitchers in baseball the, the last, what, eight starts previously or five starts, whatever it was. Um, and this is coming off an injury. I, but at this point, Hunter Green has to show me something with, with, with a different type of pitches. Use, use a changeup, man. Use a changeup a couple times. It's just, it's just tough to watch. He can't be hit like this. Five home runs is unacceptable. I mean, it's just you're getting killed. There's no chance of success. A lot of people are saying they want him in the bullpen, want him to be a closer. It's not going to happen. The contract, the contract is not structured that way. He's not get, getting paid all this money to be a closer. It's not going to happen. So he's going to be a starting pitcher. He's going to be okay. This is one bad, horrific start. It just, can't, it just can't keep happening like this. He can't keep giving up six home runs a game. So I, I believe in Hunter Green. I think we're going to be okay. Get through this one start. I, I will say this. Everybody said just keep treading water until Hunter Green comes back. That didn't work. That didn't work. I, I, I'm not going to done chain the season yet. I, the season's not over, but we're close. It is really, really, really close. We have to show something in Los Angeles. Something. Some sort of life. Because I, I can't watch these at-bats anymore. Stuart Fairchild, ending that game on Saturday night with Fairchild and Ramos, that made me sad. That made me sad. I don't, know what the, I, I, I don't know why David Bell did that. I'm a David Bell guy. I still believe David Bell has done more good than bad this season. But that's unacceptable. Henry, well, Henry Ramos isn't a competitive player. Stuart Fairchild isn't a serious MLB player. I know Trace's thoughts on it. He's done everything he's been asked to. That's great. Good job. But I, I, when the game's on the line, you don't want Stuart Fairchild at the plate, and that's a fact. Yeah, which I think, which I think actually points to a bigger picture problem, which is depth and injuries, right? If, if, and again, I know we've sat up here, and I've specifically sat up here and said Jonathan India I don't think means as much to this team as people give him credit for. However, he still is a better option than the guys that were running off the bench, okay? I'm not ever going to admit or say out loud, he'd be an idiot to do so, that Jonathan India isn't a better option than... Henry Ramos in a situation like that. Of course, of course, Jonathan India is a better option. Of course, Jake Fraley is a better option. But when Jake Fraley's out, Jonathan India is out, and you look at your bench and you just brought up Noelve Marte, which you could make the argument maybe he was the guy that you'd rather go to, but Noelve obviously didn't get a hit until his first, you know, whatever was his fifth or sixth at bat or a fifth at bat in the big leagues. But th my main point to that is, is that the, if you wanted to blame David Bell about anything in that game, I think it would be why do you run a guy that's probably a better hitter than the two guys that you ran up there in right. Noelve Marte? The only counter argument that David Bell's going to use, and you can't argue at all, is that you're sticking a kid up there in his first major league bat in a, in a, in a, in a not bases loaded, but it was what second and third with one out and or two outs, the game on the line, a hit wins it. I would have done it personally. 
Now, you can always play the Monday morning quarterback since it didn't work out. Then you could say I would have done it, but I would have done it, and it would have just been largely because I think it's a win-win no matter what. If Noelve doesn't get a hit, no one's going to be like, and I, you shouldn't manage because of what the fan base is going to react to, obviously. Correct. But in general terms, Noelve shouldn't feel bad about getting out in a spot like that. But by God, but what about the opposite? What, what happens if he gets a hit? Then that's almost like a, uh, you know, a shot of adrenaline, if you want to call it that, and, and a boost. And then obviously you go out the next night, and uh, Hunter Green would have been, you know, basically a, a, a walking home run, and it wouldn't have mattered anyways. But point is. I get where you're coming from, Elliot. The only thing is, is there really wasn't any other better options on the bench outside of Noel Marte, who would have been his first major league at bat. I would have rather had Maley. I would have rather had Maley come up. Okay, I say that you would have pinch hit Maley for Tyler Stevenson then. That's fair. And I would have. I would have done it. So, yeah, I mean, I, nobody's going to get mad at David Bell for pinch hitting Noel Marte, the best hitter, uh, for Henry, Henry Ramos. Again, not a serious player. So, I don't. I don't get it. I don't understand it. The pinch running thing is whatever. If you're going to pinch run him, fine. TJ Hopkins, that guy can't hit either. TJ Hopkins is bad. TJ Hopkins is really, 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 really bad at baseball. I don't know. Jose Barrero, like, he's not a good fielder when you put him in the outfield. He's a shortstop that they just throw him out there because he's not good enough to be a shortstop either. I'd rather have Jose Barrero up than TJ Hopkins. Why is TJ Hopkins still in the roster? What's 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 that about? I see. Everyone wants to sit here and 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 uh, and yell for Jose Barrero to come back. I, I I've I been a, I've been a record, supporter. I don't like Jose Barrero. I've been I a supporter of Jose Barrero. I've been a supporter of Jose Barrero. Here's my problem with Jose Barrero. I want an outfielder. Okay, if we're gonna actually replace an outfielder, let's have an outfielder replace him. I'm so tired of hearing this organization always say, "Well, he's a shortstop, really good athlete. He can play the outfield." I don't believe in that. I don't believe in that. I don't believe in that. Okay, and I, again. I know that sounds like egotistic when I say these things. I don't mean it this way. I'm just going, I'm hearkening back to referencing points of what I personally felt like, okay? I would venture to say that in general terms, I was a very, very good athletic infielder defensively. I couldn't hit my weight. In fact, I would argue that if I could hit, I would have played professional baseball, 100%. Not was, even a question. Uh, I mean, look, but here's so the thing. Just... You can't stick someone in the outfield and then it just worked. Like, I tried to yeah. play outfield for one game in college. I felt like a lost puppy. It takes time. You can't just take a guy that's played infield his whole life, stick him in the outfield, and just be like, oh, he's an athlete. He'll figure it out. If you want to say that he's going to play below average in the outfield and he's an elite-level hitter, so be it. But that's not what Jose Barrero is. Jose Barrero is a Major League Baseball player only, only if he can play elite-level middle infield. That's it. It's like saying Tyler Stevenson, right, is a, is a decent hitter. The only reason he's a decent hitter is because he's a catcher. You can't stick Tyler Stevenson at first base and be like, oh, well, he's still a good hitter. Well, he's not a good hitter anymore because statistically speaking, that position is required to do certain things that other positions aren't. And my problem with Jose Barrero, you've seen it with Nick Senzel. Nick Senzel looks like legitimately a lost dog out there in left field sometimes when a ball's hit to him. Why is that? Because he's not an outfielder. And again, does it mean that no one can go from the infield to the outfield? Someone's going to say, well, what about Tatis Jr.? Okay, we're talking about, do I think Ellie De La Cruz could play outfield? You bet your ass I think it. Kid show. But yes, Ellie De La Cruz could play, he could play outfield if you gave him a full year to learn it. But just because they can play the outfield in small segments, like the elite, elite, elite athletes, doesn't mean that everyone can do it. I'll never be convinced that Jose Barrero will be an average or above average outfielder over a long period of time and, and, and be able to consistently get major league at bats because when you're an outfielder you should be able to hit 
at least at a level, that's not what Jose Barrera can do. So I know I just yelled about Jose Barrera for, for, for four minutes there, but I don't want to hear about Jose Barrera playing the outfield for the Reds. He doesn't belong out there. He can't play out there. Well, the counter-argument is Spencer Steer, and he is your left fielder going forward. But Spencer Steer can hit. If, if, if Jose Barrero can hit it even close to Spencer Steer, I'm on that train. He can't. Did you see Jose Barrero take at-bats? I did. Okay, well, it's good bad. luck. It's bad. You said he was better than India. That's what you said. Defensively, so. he, he – well, okay. Let's, can I can, <laughs> can I harken back to something? That's what you he said. He brings that up. He brings that up. Here's what I said. I said, if you're a stats guy – the last 30 days that Jonathan India was, was playing in a Reds Major League uniform before he got hurt, statistically, was worse at the plate than Jose Barrero's first two months in the big leagues. Statistically, within a short window. I get that that's not fair all the time. You can always cherry-pick stats and make them look how you want. But my point was that Jonathan India was playing horrific baseball before he got hurt. Jonathan India, in general terms, is a much better hitter than Jose Barrero. I will give him credit for that. However, Jonathan India defensively, not so great. So, again, Jose Barrero hasn't proved it at the big league level either. So, if you were asking me right now, who would I rather have, Jonathan India or Jose Barrero? Of course, I'm taking India. There. Okay. Settled All right. that. Glad we, glad we fixed that. Jonathan India is better than Jose Barrero confirmed. Is this the last – okay, this is a serious debate. Have we, seen the, have we seen the last game with Jonathan India in a Reds uniform? Because at this point, I think, it's, I, I think we've seen the last game. I don't think he comes. You don't back. think he's going to play this year? No, I don't think. I because I, at some point people aren't going to like me saying this. I think the Reds are about to go in a colossal tank, and by the time we we reach mid September, there, there's going to be no point. There's going to be no point of of, of re injury for Jonathan India. I think his season's done. And here's here's one for you. I think his last day in a Reds uniform has already happened. Jonathan India will not play in a Reds uniform ever again. I have a hard time believing that. Me too. I, I think Jonathan India. Not. I. I don't know if he'll come back this year. I mean, I know he's still working through that injury. But uh, I guess the question is he's, he's truly asking is whether or not I think Jonathan India will be on the Reds next year. And I think he will be. I, I think he's got a lot of team control. I don't think they're going to move off, although it might be the best move to do while he's still got some value. I just, I just don't see the Cincinnati Reds doing anything super proactive in the Jonathan India camp. They probably will move him to outfield and have him platoon in the infield for – whoever of the rookies that are currently there need a day off, and then he's going to be playing a corner outfield spot. But I think, I, I think Jonathan India will be a red next, next opening day. Yeah, the issue is he's already said he's not going to do that. He already, said, he, he already said he's unwilling to move to the outfield. So at this point, if you're unwilling to move and if you're just going to hold out or whatever Jonathan India is going to do, there's Seems literally like a team player. There's literally team leader. There's literally not a position for him. He's out of positions. The, the whole middle well, infield, the whole infield, well, well, the, the whole infield is out of spots. Well, it, that's it, only it, if it Noel comes, Marte is the guy, though. Like that's be let's right. let's also be. Noel Marte is going to start next on opening day next. No, week. see, here's where I think that that's just a bad way of looking at this. I do believe that's the plan, without question. Noel Marte, the plan is he's going to play third base. But the thing is, these guys got to prove themselves. Just because they've automatically come up here and they've done what they've done, we've become spoiled. Let's be honest. The Reds fan base has become spoiled with what these rookies have done. We just expect every rookie to come up here and look like what we thought they were going to look like. And the truth is, is that's not how it usually goes, right? It doesn't usually go that well. Matt McLean's the world or a dime a dozen. Uh, no, they're not. They, they happen like once every... I would say 20 years in, a, in an organization where you have this rookie that you think is really good, he comes up and he's almost the best player on your team. That just doesn't happen all that often. 
Ellie De La Cruz, he's had his bright moments. Yes, he's had his down moments. But in general terms, I think it's venture to say it'd be really hard for me to envision Ellie De La Cruz not being good at baseball based off what I've seen so far. It, it, it would all be mental if, he, if, if it was. I know that's an obvious statement. But in general terms, the only way that Ellie De La Cruz is not going to be an average or an above average Major League Baseball player is if he just is a, a um, kid show. It, basically, mentally, he's not there. All right? So, in, Noel V. Marte, to be fair... I'm not downplaying the fact that he might be great. I'm on the I'm on the Marte train, but if he goes out here and he hits 100 for the rest of the year, we're not. It, 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 he's not automatically getting a spot going into next year at third base. That's where Jonathan India still has life. So the Reds, I think, at this point, will will all depend upon Jonathan India's future of what Noel Ve Marte does. Sad or not sad, that's the truth, right? They've already penciled in Ellie De La Cruz at shortstop. And, and Matt McLean at second base for the unforeseeable future. The only thing I would harken back to is if they get no, no, no return for Jonathan India at all. And, and Nick Crawl's sitting there halfway through January and he's like, I'm just, this is a terrible deal. We're getting terrible deals for Jonathan India. They could make a horrible decision, and I'll call it a horrible decision. Excuse me. I'll call it a horrible decision. They could, to harken back and make this whole thing full circle, they could put Ellie in the outfield. And make room and put Matt McClain back at shortstop. And, and, and then you could venture to say that India has his spot back at second base again. And then if somebody needs a day off, then, you know, you could you could flux guys around and put put people in certain positions. I don't love that. I don't like it. I don't think that's what you should do. But that's a possibility. Um, but I think to, to, to close this out, Elliot's probably the one that has the most likely chance of, of being true. I think that there's a really good chance that they'd ship Jonathan India out in the offseason if the Reds aren't playing meaningful baseball in the next 15 to 20 days, which is possible, very possible. I don't think they bring India back. I don't think India would want to come back, if we're being honest, because he has a future too, and he's already said that he's concerned about his future. He has to look out for himself. Um, and you know what? I'm not going to make fun of the fact that, oh, this leader guy, this team guy is being selfish. It's a business. You need to make money. Um, I've been hard on Jonathan India. I think Jonathan India is a hard-nosed player. I think he cares. I think he works hard at it. Um, unfortunately, I don't think he's uh, defensively what the second baseman that the Cincinnati Reds were hoping for, if you will. So they've decided that they were probably going to move on. And I don't think Jonathan India should uh, personally. I don't think Jonathan India is bad enough at second base that he should that he should give up on that bag. Because that's, I don't say that's all this is about, but it is a business. Jonathan India knows damn well that if he's a second baseman in major leagues, he's going to get paid a lot more money, and and rightfully so. And if we're being honest, hand up, I think Jonathan India has gotten better defensively at second base. I think from the beginning of the year to the to, to where he was at before he left, I think he's gotten better. Do I think he ever has anywhere clear, close to a ceiling as Matt McClain does? No, he doesn't. Because it's just the physical skills aren't there. Sometimes you just walk, you, you know, you, you've seen it. You grew up with it, right? You go out to the park, you play with a bunch of friends. There's always that one friend that's just better than everybody. No matter how hard you work at it, that guy's going to be better than you. Because he's just got God-given abilities. Matt McLean, God-given ability to play defensive second base is much better than Jonathan India. But that doesn't mean Jonathan India can't play second base in the big leagues. It doesn't. I actually think that he could. Um, I just don't think that's a part of the Reds' future and plan. I do think at the end of the day, though, Jonathan India is probably in a position where he gets shipped in the offseason. I would agree. And I also think he's incredibly frustrated. He's voiced that with our boy Gordon Wittenmeyer. Uh, he's voiced it openly. 
where he's frustrated with the organization. He's, he's frustrated with how they've handled this injury. I think he's frustrated with how the fans have treated him this year. I think he's frustrated. <clears throat> I don't think he wants to be in Cincinnati right now, and that sucks. So I think Jonathan India has played his last game in a Reds uniform. We'll see what happens in the offseason. I find it very unlikely Ellie De La Cruz moves to the outfield just because of what he offers to the shortstop position. I don't think there's a shortstop in the MLB close to him at this point, honestly. I think that's just how athletic, how good at the position he is. So it just doesn't make sense for him to play center field or right field or wherever he would go. Um, but yeah, I, Jonathan India, thank you for your service. I, I, was, I always defended you. Guys like Trace and Nick, they hate you. Um, I, and I'm very sorry about that. I, I, it's just how it was. Jacob sat here for three months and he had not one nice thing to ever say about you. I stood by you. I stood by your side. I know Casey did too. Reed hated him. Reed hated Jonathan India. Reed doesn't even like the Reds. He hated Jonathan India. Yeah, I was so, going to say, what, what Reds do I like? Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I just think I, you look back at this season and you look at what Tyler Stevenson has done from behind the plate and offensively, you can't, even, you can't tell me that Tyler Stevenson has had a better season than Jonathan India. He's been objectively worse at every aspect, every facet of the game. Tyler Stevenson, respectfully, I'm going to say with this, with all due respect, he's a bum. He's a bum. And at this point, you're going to keep rolling him out there. It's just a loss. He hit a home run yesterday in, in, in an inning where it didn't matter. Congratulations to you. But it's like Luke Maley's a significantly better catcher, and that is about as insulting as you can say. Luke Maley is significantly better at the position than you. Yikes. Before we move on to the Tyler Stevenson thing, one thing that I wanted to talk about, Jonathan Indian, when you guys were, were – talking about if he's going to be on this roster, leaving the depreciating asset thing aside about this guy who was a rookie of the year that you might be able to get some sort of a return. It, even if Jonathan India isn't a starter, what's he's going to arbitration. What's he going to make an arbitration? Because he hasn't been of – he. You know, when you go to the legal matters, you, you go, all right, well, he's not going to start for this team. He hasn't played 162 games for the past two years. He's been injury prone. What's he going to make? A couple million? Two, three million? So if if the Reds are going to have to go out and get a veteran middle infielder like they have with Kevin Newman, like they have with guys like uh, Matt Reynolds, all these veteran pieces that every team needs that you're going to spend $3 million for, leaving the depreciating asset that is Jonathan India aside that you might be able to get something in return, is there going to be a better signing or a better veteran uh, middle infielder or utility guy than Jonathan India that is going to cost you $3 million? Probably not. Probably not. He's going to be an incredibly affordable. I mean, you're, you're talking about, we were talking about backup quarterbacks. We're talking about a guy that instead of going out and getting a $10 million backup quarterback, you've already got one that he's going to cost $3 million. So his role is going to shift if he's on this team next year. It already has shifted, and he knows that, and he hasn't been seen very copacetic of that. But in terms of the future of Jonathan Nidia, I don't think there's a better utility guy that you can get. I know he doesn't play a whole lot of positions, but... If you, you force them, <laughs> you just say, hey, listen, we're going to need you to start playing the outfield. You need to learn if you want to if you want to have any role in the Major League Baseball going forward. You're going to be on this team next year. Figure out how to be more valuable. I think that Jonathan India is going to be on the Reds next year. I think Jonathan India has a very, very unique opportunity to be the veteran utility guy that every team seemingly needs every single year. The leader, some would say. Well, that's where we uh, that's where we would understand that there's probably a difference in thought process between what the Reds would want and what Jonathan India wants. That's the problem. If Jonathan India was a guy, and I, and you know what, I'm not saying Jonathan India should think like this. I think that when I what I'm getting ready to say will seem like I am degrading Jonathan India, but I'm I'm really not. I I understand where Jonathan India is coming from, why he's frustrated, all of the above. 
But if Jonathan India were to just say, hey, yeah, I'll do whatever the team asks. I'll do whatever the team needs. I'm not going to throw a little pity party about it. I'm not going to be, you know, a, a, a grouch in the dugout or the clubhouse, whatever term you want to use. Then I think the Reds would consider keeping him. But I don't think that's what's going to happen. Jonathan India wants to play. He's earned the right to play. He was rookie of the year not that long ago. He's not really ever struggled in the big leagues. He's going to believe that he should be on the field uh, more times than not. And in a million years, you're never going to sit a guy on the bench that one, feels that way, and two, then also could yield something in return. You're not going to do that. You'll go find a guy like Kevin Newman who, you know, like him or hate him, it is what it is. He, he knows his role. He knows where he belongs on the team. He's not going to be a clubhouse cancer because of it, and you keep it moving. At the same time, I would argue you could have the same thing in Jose Barrero. They might not trade Jose Barrero, and yep. Jose Barrero could be that same exact role of what you're talking about with, with Jonathan India. Will Jonathan India's last day in, in, in a Reds uniform exist? I don't believe so. I think he comes back this year. Um, I think the Reds, you know, again, I'm not suggesting they should 100% make the playoffs. I would be shocked and surprised if we're not halfway through September and the Reds aren't still playing meaningful baseball. And I think Jonathan Neal will be back by then. I think he'll play in those games. And I think it'll just come down to the end of the year, whether they make it or not, within the last two and a half weeks of the season. I could be completely off on that. Yeah. You're right, Elliot. They could fall apart. But but I've seen this team play long enough, I think, at this point, where, you know, I don't... I just don't think that it will... I don't think that it'll fall apart that fast where Jonathan Neal doesn't play another baseball game. I hope it doesn't. I When I say they went, they're going to go on a tank, I, again, that's just because the, the thing that made this roster unique was the offense, right? The, the unprecedented offensive play throughout June kept this team in the hunt. It brought them back to first place of the NL Central. That aspect of the team is gone, seemingly. Ellie De La Cruz can't hit. I mean, he, he, it's been tough to watch. It, it's just been tough to watch Ellie De La Cruz. Am I concerned about Ellie? No. I am never, ever going to be concerned about Ellie De La Cruz. But when you, when you have him stand up there on the right side of the plate, those at-bats are terrible. He's not a good hitter at, as, as a righty. He's just not. I would rather him take at-bats against a lefty as a lefty than have him take at-bats as a righty against the lefty. It's just a fact. That's fair. You need Ellie De La Cruz back. And Trace tweeted it yesterday. You have to have Joey Votto. You have to have Ellie De La Cruz. You have to have Spencer Steer. These guys have to be contributors right now. It can't be, it can, you can't wait anymore. Joey Votto, I've been a defender of Joey Votto. This is his last season as a Cincinnati Red. I need a little bit more. I need a little, a, a little bit more from Joey Votto. I, I, I love the power numbers. The power numbers are keeping him in the lineup. So I don't, I, I don't know what the solution there is. Draw a couple more walks. Do your, do your thing, Joey. Spencer Steer, he's been phenomenal all year. Kind of slumping as of late. He's been hitting him good, though. He hits, he hits the ball hard still. Ellie De La Cruz, his at-bats haven't been competitive. At some point, the Reds need Ellie De La Cruz back if they're going to make this, the playoffs this year. That's, that, that's just a fact. If Ellie's going to hit like this the rest of the season, it's over. Correct. It's over right now. It is, and I hope uh, it's easier said than done. I hope Ellie just starts playing baseball again. Somewhere along the lines, Ellie started overthinking this game a little too much. And I don't, I know, it, it, listen, if you play this game long enough, it's easy to be done. And it's, it, in fact, I would compare it very similar to golf uh, in, in the aspect of how, how it could drain you mentally. That's what this game can do. Ellie, uh, I know you watch this show every day, but just go play baseball, man. Just, just go play baseball and let the chips fall where they may. You don't have to be super special like everybody expected you to be. You don't have to do these electrifying moments every single game for people to think that you got value. You don't have to be Superman all the time. You just go play. And I think that there's times where he's, he's up there at the plate specifically, 
and he's taking pitches that he otherwise I don't think he would be taking because he's just overanalyzing what he needs to do up there. Just just get in there, see ball, hit ball. I know that sounds easier said than done. I know that it's it's overly simplifying what you do at the plate, but in general terms, if you play baseball, anybody that's played baseball, um, from a high school level and up, will tell you if the worst when you're when you're playing the best, you, you you're not thinking at all. You're just playing. You're walking up there to the plate and you feel good about it. When you're playing your worst baseball, uh, you're le- you're legitimately thinking about every scenario possible. You walk up to the plate and you're pretty much already out before you get there. Um, that's a fact. So. Casey's doing some magic over here on the screen. I think it's absolutely hilarious. In fact, in fact, I can't. If I'll actually don't do it, just just let it happen organically. But that's hilarious. What Casey is doing right now is actually it's, so it's big league funny. So you guys were talking about Ellie De La Cruz and you know his his at his at bats from the right from from his his right hand against a lefty. We've only seen seventy five at bats, and this is something that I've that I've talked about with people about how the switch hitter is going out of baseball. Do we think that Ellie De La Cruz will go the way of Cedric Mullins? Cedric Mullins from the Baltimore Orioles used to be a switch hitter. He now only bats from the left hand, um, from from the left side of the plate. Ellie De La Cruz from the right side of the plate is batting 233. His on base is 255. Is slugging 315. Only in 75 at bats. Let's not draw any major conclusions. But his OPS is 568. That is 50 points lower than Billy Hamilton's career OPS. That is Ellie De La Cruz from the right side of the plate so far this year. Do we think that Ellie De La Cruz at some point in his career will only bat from the left-handed side and will give up being a switch hitter? Because that is something that is going across Major League Baseball. Switch hitters are few and far between, and guys give up on it easily because they just realize it's way easier to perfect one swing than two. Right. I, I, I don't, I'm not going to jump to that conclusion yet. Obviously, we're, we're, a, little, we're, a, little, uh, we're a little early in the game, as they say. Um, however, the one thing that I always found fascinating – uh, Lance Berkman, uh, Reds killer, shout yeah. out. He he actually was asked at the end of his career if he could do anything differently, what would it be? And his his answer was absolutely ridiculous, which was he wouldn't be a switch hitter. And he's taught his son, and I think it was his son, he said that his son will not be a switch hitter. And it was he was just really talking about how much work, time, effort, and energy for you to be a really good hitter from both sides of the plate, how much time it takes to be able to craft and ex, you know, execute both of those swings. Um, I think on paper, right, it's great to be a switch hitter because you have the splits and all the matchups and all these different things. So, you know, I just would say it's too early. Uh, you can't, you can't, we can't, we can't go there quite yet. Yeah, almost every switch hitter, like if you look up their splits, they're just a significantly worst hitting right-handed hitter. Almost, almost across the board. I just look up Lance Berkman. You mentioned him. His OPS is 200 points lower from the right-handed side of the plate as it was from the left-handed side of the plate. And I already mentioned, Cedric Mullins tried it in the MLB, gave up. He said, I'm just going to be a left-handed hitter. And I, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be interesting. Like, not just Ellie De La Cruz, but in Major League Baseball going forward. It used to be, I think, like 5% of the hitters were switch hitters. Now it's like down to 1%. It's few and far between, and it's going to get thinner and thinner because – the very reasons that Lance Berkman said, the very reason that I said, the very reason you said, it's it's just hard. It, it's it's too hard. Why not just just hit from the left side and just figure out how to hit from the left side purely? Is Jose Ramirez like the last good switch hitter we've seen in the MLB? Because I'm trying to think of one right now, and outside of Jose Ramirez, I got nothing. I'm, I'm looking up Jose Ramirez's because there's a couple guys. Like I think is it is it Jerickson Profar? Is he one of them? Maybe. Maybe I'm, there's a couple guys out there that are utility guys. They'll come in and they'll switch hit. 
just because they're platoon guys. But I'm talking like bona fide starters in the in in Major League Baseball, and I'm just I can't blanking. Yeah, it's actually cool because uh, Jose Ramirez has very similar um, splits, so he he does it very successfully. He's probably the the last. Uh, so I'm saying, I love the David last Brown. This is why David Brown's number one in the chat. He says Ramos. <laughs> Jose Albies. Jose Albies. You can't say it's not Ozzie, funny. Ozzie Albies. Ozzie Albies. Henry Ramos, baby. You can't say it's not funny, Elliot. I mean, Henry Ramos. Elliot, look at the camera and don't laugh. Hen I mean, Henry Ramos. I'm going to say this as nicely as I can. I'm going to say this with, 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 with the most love and respect I've ever said about anybody in my life. <laughs> Henry Ramos is not a professional athlete. I don't know where you found him. I don't know where he came from. I don't know what his history is. I don't know where he went to college. I don't know how he got to this point. But man, is he bad at this sport. He is bad. I mean, he is truly horrible. I mean, you can't tell me there's not better options down in AAA than Henry Ramos. Henry Ramos. Obscure red to the moon. I mean, there's not going to be an obscure red in 15 years more obscure than this guy. Henry Ramos, who played meaningful baseball. He played meaningful baseball for the Reds. Meaningful. He took meaningful at-bats in, in situations where the Reds have a chance to make a postseason run. Henry Ramos. Is he 45 years old? How old is this guy? Do we know? How, does anybody know how old Hank Henry baseball? Ramos is? Hank Baseball? I'm looking because it up. I think Henry Ramos is a bum, respectfully. Bring up Siani. I think Siani's going to come 31. up. 31. He's 31. Great. And I was told Chucky Robinson's too old to be a catcher at 28. But Henry Ramos, he can come trot his ass up and go take meaningful at-bats with the game on the line. Good for, good for them. Good for us. Good for us as Reds fans. We have to watch Henry Ramos. To be fair, Henry Ramos last year in the Korean Baseball League batted 250 with a 304 on base hmm. percentage. Yeah, to be fair to him and the KBO. The KBO. I don't like you talking bad about Hank Baseball, Stewie Surprise, Tommy John Hopkins, all these guys. These guys I, are great. I want TJ Hopkins, Stuart Fairchild, Henry Ramos taking meaningful at-bats next year so Trace can tell me all three are better than Jonathan India. That's what I want next year. That's my dream. That's my dream. Nick Kirby saying Stuart Fairchild's the greatest player that ever walked the planet. Stuart Fairchild did his job. I give Stuart Fairchild respect a little bit. Not a, not a lot, really. He did his job. But Stuart Fairchild cannot be on a roster that's trying to make a postseason, trying to make a postseason run. Can't happen. That's where you're wrong. I think that's where you're wrong. I think Stuart Fairchild very much could be on a roster that would make the postseason. Hell, I think Stuart Fairchild could play on a World Series team. It's just that you have to have enough guys in front of him that you're not relying on him to come in and, and get a big hit with two outs in the ninth inning. Henry Henry Ramos, okay, I, I'm with you on that. All right, I'm not suggesting I'm not suggesting Henry Ramos is the guy that I'm going to die on the hill with with all these replacements that we have. Stuart Fairchild, with all due respect, of course, can play defensively in the outfield well enough to saw. be able to replace a guy that you might want to you might want to get out there as a defensive liability. I could very much see a, a situation where Spencer Steer plays left field, and then in the, in the eighth or ninth inning. Stuart Fairchild comes in and replaces him for, for, for one or two innings because he's going to be much better of a, of a defender in left field than, than Spencer Steer would be. However, Spencer Steer's getting, been getting better in left field, so I, I don't want to knock him by any means. I'm not trying to knock any of our guys, but I'm just telling you the truth. Stuart Fairchild is not that bad. He's just not. He's, he's not. He's not. It would, and then I would also say, if you look up, and I'm not trying to, 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 to turn this into a big, you know, big pot of gold here on chat, and people are going to start getting mad. 
I would be willing to bet, and I could be completely wrong on this, so we'll see how it goes. Just my eye test, Stuart Fairchild against left-handed pitching, without question, is better than Joey Votto. I would argue that from both sides of the plate, if you took Joey Votto just straight up, no splits, and you said, give me like an advanced metric, all right? I don't want to use like average, but an advanced metric, like... um, OPS. Okay, that's fine. OPS is the literally legit only thing that Joey Votto might do well. But let's. What about runs? Uh, weighted runs created plus. Between Joey Votto and uh, Stuart Fairchild. Stewie, Stuart Stewie, Fairchild Stewie left against left-handed pitching, so and Joey Votto in general. So an OPS plus, um, Joey Votto has that, but that's much different than weighted runs. Let me get on Fangraphs. So here's the thing. I'm not suggesting that, that, that Stuart Fairchild's a better hitter than Joey Votto, but I'm saying of all the guys, and again, I know, I guess I, I, I need to be obviously not naive here. I get why Joey Votto gets a little bit of a, of, of a pass, okay? The guy is a, is a Hall of Famer. He, 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 he's going to have a statue built in Cincinnati. He's done everything that you could possibly want out of a guy over, over, over a major league career for your favorite team. In fact, when he signed that deal, when he was a baby-faced Joey Votto, and you go back and look at the pictures when he signed the deal, he was a baby-faced Joey Votto. We all knew what was coming. We all knew that when this thing was at the very end of his contract, it was probably going to be pretty bad, or for or one would argue maybe non-existent at all. He's here, and to be fair to Joey, I think that he's he's not performing as well too. Uh, Mike uh, on Twitter the other day brought this up uh, to me. Some of the reason Joey Votto might be struggling is because of the injuries, and the fact of the matter is he's playing more than he's probably supposed to be playing. He should not be getting at bats like he did the other day, yesterday, I think. It's fair. He should not be getting at bats against left-handed pitching right now. And he is. Why? Because he's legitimately one of the only options left. So I don't want to crush Joey Votto because of it. But Joey Votto, again, if... What are, what are we arguing here is the question of the day. Are we arguing about what this team needs to be able to make a postseason and also a postseason run this year? You need a better hitting first baseman. You need a better hitting first baseman. However, I get the, I get the scenario we're in, so I'm not going to get all over Joey Votto about it. But if we're going to sit here and act like that's not a problem based off of what this sample size is, which is just this end of the year and the postseason, you're lying to yourself. You're lying to yourself. And I'm not going to sit up here and rip Joey Votto because it's not his fault. I don't think it's his fault. He's coming back 39 years old, 40 years old, whatever he is, coming back from a major injury. Hell, he's actually overperformed, in my opinion. I think he's played better than what he should have been playing. Go ahead. Uh, according to Fangraphs, uh, weighted runs created. Joey Votto has a 102, and Stewie Fairchild has an 89. So Stewie Fairchild, Stewie Surprise is slightly or a good bit below league average. For what it's worth, though, their war on fan graphs, wins above replacement. Stewie Fairchild is worth about a half a win, and Joey Votto's 0.1, so he's barely above just blipping on the radar. Yeah. And here we go. Heaven forbid you say anything about Joey Votto, and people are going to say, oh, send that. Uh, Roger says, send that clip to Votto. Is this getting on Joey Votto? Is anything I'm saying anti-Joey Votto? I don't think it is. I think we're just being realistic. 
Now, I know Joey Votto probably shouldn't believe what I'm saying because he's a competitor. I, I, in fact, any, if anyone would ever tell me that I can't do something, I genuinely probably would take it personal and I would think that I can do it because in my DNA, I'm a competitor just as, just as much as many other people are in this world. But the facts are the facts, man. And you just gave us a way, uh, the, the, the um, runs created plus yep. based off of, I'm assuming, no splits at all. But yeah, that was just straight up. Definitely against left-handed pitching, I'd be willing to bet that it's really bad. And I'm not trying to get on Votto, like, I'm not trying to turn this into a Votto slander show. I'm just suggesting that if you're going to rip, if you're going to rip Stuart Fairchild and you're going to rip the bull, not the bullpen, excuse me, but if you're going to rip the starting pitching about how bad Luke Weaver's been, this, that, and the other, and this is why the Reds aren't going to make the postseason and we should have gone out and got help. Well, if you're going to say they should have gone out and gotten help, then they needed to go get, in my opinion, um, probably somebody at, at and again, Christian Encarnacion Strand's probably filling that void a little bit right now. This team needs better hitters. I guess that's what I'm getting at. And in fact, the only hitters that we're relying on right now that you could say you that you're banking on, when the lineup card gets brought out, you're banking on, I'd venture to say that 80% of the guys that you think in your mind that you're banking on to, to perform well tonight are rookies. Go ahead. Have we talked about Joey Votto's lies recently? Joey Votto's lies? Yeah. I don't know. Is, who, is he, who is, is he, he lying or is someone else lying about him? Jo Joey's, Joey's been lying. Jo Joey's, Joey's been telling LeBron-esque lies. He oh, said, no. who was he interviewed by? He was interviewed by uh, one of one of the national media members. Yes. And he said that he has never watched TV in a hotel since he's been in the big leagues. said he's never, never turned on that TV on any road trip in his 15-year, 16-year MLB career. It's never been turned on once. He also said that he never takes a toothbrush with him. Whenever he gets to a new town, he goes and buys a new toothbrush. I mean, why are you lying about this, Joey? Like, you might bring, like you might use a new toothbrush, but you, you're not going to the convenience store down the, down the block every time you, get, you, you show up in Chicago or you show up in St. Louis. Why are we lying about that, Joey? Like, those are just two lies that don't need to be told. Why are you doing that? Come on. It's ridiculous. Do you think he's had Skyline? That's another lie. There's I, think no he's, way I think he's, he's had Skyline. There's no way that it's just not been in the clubhouse or, like, he's had Skyline. Why is he lying about it? Is it to be different? Is he trying to be different? It might be like you. He's just trying to be a troll. Ooh. Something you should respect. I got nothing. Okay. All right. Seems like a shot. How about the Cubbies? Playing well. Eight out of their last. Eight and one, one if and you Okay, Trace, you have to put a percentage. You have to put a percentage on the Reds making the postseason this year. This now, year? This year? Because now it seems like the division, Reed, Reed and I were talking about it before the show, it seems like the division is now like not even an option for the Reds. Not even an option is a strong term. It I don't, is. It I, is. It's, 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 it's an over-exaggeration. Over but the Brewers are playing well, and I think the Cubs are playing better too. The, Cub, the Cubs and their last 10 series are 8-1-1. One, one. They've only lost one series in their last 10. So, playing really well. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate. I don't think the Reds are going to make the playoffs. I, I would be surprised if the Reds... Well, Nick Kirby's playoffs. been trying to tell us that in, in Chatterbox Reds for a long time, and I don't know if anyone wanted to listen to him, including me, but the Cincinnati Reds have never even really been even close to 50% to make the postseason. They've never even been a coin flip to make the postseason. Now, I would argue that, that again, I've said this on the show. I've said this now. 
I don't know how much I put stock into the whole percentage thing because, as I said before, it took every bit of two and a half months for someone to tell me that the, the St. Louis Cardinals weren't going to win the NL Central. That was who the odds-on favorite were for a long time. It took a lot longer. And I've also been told this fairy tale that the Padres are good and they're going to make a run <laughs> at the postseason too. Well, the Padres should worry about the Mets because the Mets, the team that sold everybody off, that, that, that were trying to lose, they were, they were doomed. Their season was abysmal. The Padres were buyers. Let's talk about really bad decision. The Padres were buyers, and they're and they're fighting tooth and nail with the New York Mets right now to see who can finish higher in the NL Wild Card. The other thing I would say is you want to hear some outlandish, crazy stuff. We're going to play the Angels. The Angels being buyers at the deadline is one of an all-time, maybe the the actually it is the all-time bone bonehead move at the deadline if I've ever seen one. They were like. 9% chance to make the postseason. They're now a half a percent chance to make the postseason. The Reds, I think, statistically, if you like those types of things, I think they're right around 11 or 12% to make the postseason right now, so the chances aren't very good. It says 25 here on ESPN. Uh, ESPN says 25. I think that there are other uh, calculations out there. depends on which computer server you want to use. Uh, that said, it's probably around 12 or 13, Fate but that's here nor the there. Reds are 23% to make the postseason. All right, so 23%. Okay. Here we go. There we go. I lied then. Maybe it's higher than 12 or 13. Maybe that's what the with, Padres were. I was, I was were. with Trace. I didn't think it was just going to be way, way, well over 10%. One in 20 chance. I, I, I'm actually surprised it's that high, if we're being completely honest. But here's why I want to harken back to this. I wanted to bring this up. It took me a while to get there because MLB.com, worst website in the history of websites. I don't know why I keep going there, but I'm going to keep going there because it's fun to talk about. All right. They play the Diamondbacks four times, the Giants three times, and they have a four-game slate with the Cubs. Okay. That right there, that little snippet of the season, it is the season. It is the season. I know everybody wants to talk about the cakewalk that they have in September. Well, it doesn't matter if you falter to the Diamondbacks, the Giants, and the Cubs. Those are three teams right there directly that you're fighting with for the NL wild card. And it is what it is. If we're being honest, I said this a week ago. That is the season. That is the season. If you told us right now, that we were going to split against the Guardians. This is after the Pirates series. If you're going to split against the Guardians, you were going to lose two or three to the Diamondbacks, or not the Diamondbacks, excuse me, but the uh, the Blue Jays, and you were going to lose a one-run game as a part of that, we're right where we thought we'd be. So I know it feels disgusting, but this is kind of what you expected. The Angels, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. The Reds, I think this is, I don't know if statistics bear this of late, but it feels this way as an old, long-time Reds fan. And by long-time, I mean probably not as long as many others. But the West Coast has never really been all that great to the Cincinnati Reds. Nope. And we'll see how it goes this time. But this West Coast trip, you got the Angels. Otani, obviously, is going to pitch, I believe, on Wednesday. Then you got the Diamondbacks for a four-game set. And you got the Giants for a three-game set all on the West Coast. We'll see how it goes. This is the season. Unfortunately... The reason that we all feel disgusting about it is because the Reds have not played good baseball for a little bit of time. And it's not even just been one thing. The Blue Jays gave them a run for their money, but the Reds' defense wasn't all that spectacular as of late either. Nope. Now, the Blue Jays, I think, might have them. I mean, the Blue Jays, you got to give credit where credit is due. The Blue Jays were exceptionally bad. They won baseball games, which is impressive, but I've never seen a defense be as bad as the Blue Jays' defense. Mm. It's been horrible. The Reds, the Reds have four errors yesterday, I think, right? Yeah, it's been bad. So get them all good. out of the way, though. If you're gonna if you're gonna have errors, just make them all in one game, right, Elliot? I, that's right. <laughs> this is now. I think I want to say this is the fourth game with four plus errors for the Reds this season. Is that right? That can't be right. 
I know it's the third because they had two in that week in Chicago. Not good to get so, in an analytics with two analytical guys. So yeah, this is brutal. This is brutal. I, the defense thing can't be fixed. If you can't if you can't play defense, that's just not something anybody can teach. You, you just have to be good at it. So defense, you're done. Offense is the issue where you have to be able to hit a baseball, and it's just gone silent. It's, they're just not consistent anymore at the plate. The at-bats have gone way down. Runners in scoring position gone down. Aggressive base running has been bad. It's just not good right now. It's looking ugly. It's looking really ugly. Yeah. Well, the good news is, is they don't matter what happened yesterday. The Reds will play tonight against the Angels. I think. I know. I mean, this is a guy. Can I, can I, can I admit something to, to everybody? Um, I used to really care about politics. I used to really watch all the news. I used to invest in, 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 in all of that. Wanted to be as, as informative as a, as a person as I could possibly be. And I uh, got to be honest. I got to a point in my life where I got a little busy, and then I just decided I'd just turn it all off. I, I stopped watching the news completely. I don't pay attention to anything at all. I don't care about it. It doesn't mean that I'm saying that's the right way to live. I'm just saying that's how I am. I've heard that there's a hurricane going on in California. It doesn't really... Uh, I know this sounds terrible to say, but it doesn't impact my life significantly, specifically right this second. So I genuinely just don't pay a whole lot of attention to it. Doesn't mean I don't care about those people. Doesn't mean that I, I'm, I'm not worried about it. But in general terms, I've heard there's a hurricane that's uh, that's in the LA area. So I know that the Reds are playing the LA Angels. Have no idea if that's going to impact it at all. But I do want to say that if there's uh, that there's already been something that's been stated about that series, then uh, then I wouldn't know much about it because I just. Stay out of the news completely. The, the, completely. The, the most impact sad as it is, because you sh like we should we should care about people. We should, and we do. We, we we feel for those people. Hope everyone makes it out. But the biggest impact it has on our life here in Cincinnati is whether or not the Reds play tonight. Like, that's the biggest impact. That, right. That and I'm sure somebody out. will say, well, economically speaking, that that it'll it'll have a rift effect because there's produce and there's things that are going on in California that, that that'll harpen their way back to Ohio and you'll get affected by it through that. And you know what? You're probably right. I'm not trying to downplay that at all. I'm not trying to downplay world economics. I'm not trying to downplay politics. I'm not trying to downplay at all. But for me in my life, I turned it all off. I, I tell you, I'm not trying to suggest that you should come on this side of the aisle. But let me tell you something. My quality of life has gone up significantly since I stopped worrying about all of it. So that's here nor there. All right, politics. I know that'll be uh, venture to say all caps in the chat very soon. Um, okay, we, we, we dug up that clip of uh, Seho yes. celebrating the Virginia Furman. I did see that. Casey had that. So here, let me paint the picture again. Um, I had some money. We all had some money on Virginia. This was getting live streamed. Uh, <laughs> shout out Seho. Uh, He's uh, he's very excited about his 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 win. That is Virginia blowing the game, and uh, I was not happy. Go ahead and run the clip so everybody gets an idea of, of how maybe pissed I really was. Foul. Why are they not fouling? Foul! Turn it over! Yes! We want overtime. No, my God, hit it! Oh! Oh! Good show. Good show. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, I had to walk off set. I was so mad. I had to get out of there. Um, I, I don't know why. I mean, I do know why I was mad because I thought we were on the same team and we weren't. You know what I'm saying? It was it was the, you have no idea what just happened. <laughs> to to Sayo, that was the best part of the clip. You just walk off, back to the camera. You have no idea what just happened. <laughs> but uh, we were. We were all supposed to put our, like, I think it was a $150 Fred bet. 
from yeah. Betfred. They were, they were nice enough to, to grant us a free bet. We all used it on the same game. At least we thought. I, put, we, I actually we put mine on. We found Sato zagged when everyone else zigged. I actually had used mine before that game even came around. I put mine on, uh, on Huggins, I think. Yeah, and they, oh, that it didn't go well for yeah, any of us. Good. It didn't go well. Didn't go well for any of us. The only thing I remember about that day that actually was great is uh, Sean Spurlock. Shout out, Sean. Uh, me and him were sitting there at the end of our night or at the end of the time at Wings and Rings when we were getting ready to leave. And, uh, and you, you think that we're crazy. I, this actually did happen. It saved the day. But I, uh, Princeton uh, was was down by 10, I think, at the time to Arizona. I looked at – I got on I got on uh, Bedfred, and I That's seen right. that the, the live line for that game – at that time was like Arizona or excuse me, Princeton was like plus 1400 or something crazy. Maybe they weren't down 10. Maybe it was even closer than that. And that's why we ended up doing it. But I remember putting uh, a good amount of money, if we're being honest, on Princeton. And so did Sean. And uh, you want to talk about sweating out a, uh, a bet, man, that we won. We did well with that. So that saved the entire day. Hell, that might even save the whole weekend, if we're being honest. Princeton, shout out Princeton for beating Arizona. Uh, that was fun. So... Uh, we have, as a reminder, we have tomorrow, we have this segment, the, the one and only segment I think we've come up with here on this show so far is um, the basically the Netflix and or Max and or Hulu and or all the other streaming services uh, platform Tuesday TV. Things. Tuesday TV. Tuesday TV. Elliot just came up with that top of his head. I like that. So Tuesday TV, we got to come up with uh, with our rating of what we believe. So just as a recap, I have to watch Jury Duty. I do believe Reed took what? Johnny Manziel. Johnny Manziel's documentary. Yeah. I'm watching the Showtime Lakers show. Yep. Winning time. At least, Winning at time. least, at least one one episode. Watching the pilot tonight. Okay. And, and then uh, Casey has. I totally forgot what I have. Casey, Casey doesn't care. Not a team guy. Casey doesn't care. <laughs> Casey doesn't care. <laughs> Casey basically, basically. Um, I started you know. watching Hard Knocks actually last night. But. Okay. Uh, yours is yours is uh, the it's not Showtime, but it is the documentary with Larry Bird and Magic Johnson. It is on Max, I do believe, so you can watch it on there. Not the documentary. Not the doc. It is the documentary. It's not Showtime Lakers though, which is a series, a show, a movie, whatever you want to call it. It's it's more of a it's more of a uh, what not, am I trying to say? A Hollywood type of show. Mm -hmm. Not not Showtime, but it's the documentary. Yes, I'll get you the I'll get you. I'm sure someone in the chat can put it in there. I'll get you the exact name of the show so you don't mess up okay this is starting to feel like it could be like we could have a spark note situation if you don't know what spark notes is it's what happened like the night before you had to do a signed reading in high school and all the kids would just get on spark notes and just look at the summary and they'd come in and they'd have like a, a full explanation i think there's going to be some spark notes in this room i think there's going to be some people that say they watched it but didn't actually watch it what about how we had spark notes? Like we could, we could yeah. just go back. We didn't actually have to read the book. We could get the cliff notes. So at least where if you were called on, you could be like, oh yeah, like, oh yeah, this is the plot point and what happens. And, and then you could sound really sophisticated because it gives you like in-depth knowledge and be yeah. like, yeah, what did the, her looking into the mirror really mean towards the story? So you could throw that out every once in a while. But now they just have AI. So like if they need a, a 600 word, essay on the battle of gettysburg they could just type in give me a 600 word essay from the southern point of view on the battle of gettysburg and it just pops right on out turn it in you probably get a b and that's that kids have it so easy now Maybe. i mean it's just so easy i would have used that so fast and so hard I, I i won't say my school because it's a respectable school kids shouldn't do this at that school but 
I would have done it. I want the record to be known. I would have done. Well, that. I think they have bots now. They have AI to defend that. So I think that at this point, the oh, teachers, yeah, so they have the, AI the, to defend teach, the AI. Yeah, the, the the teachers can put the uh, the teachers can put the essays in the um, in some kind of electronic database, and the database will shoot back a message that basically says this was AI generated because mm. they know that it was AI generated because AI said that it was AI generated. So, so it's it's it's, it's a, so I tell it, you, we're we're closer like and closer to living in a matrix than you guys might want to that you guys might want to talk about or realize. But that's here nor there. USA veteran, there's one thing that I do want to bring up here. USA veteran, as always, thank you for your service. But second thing is, thank you for this chat message, which is, reminds me of a funny moment yesterday. Tyler Stevenson, we give him a lot of a lot of a lot of bad. A lot of bad press here. We're, we're, we're not the nicest to Tyler Stevenson. But he did hit a home run yesterday. And I felt actually bad for Tyler Stevenson because he had to take the picture with the Viking helmet at the end of the dugout in a, yeah. in a very meaningless home run situation. <laughs> and it just felt like I actually think Tyler was just like, what the, what, you know, what, kid show. But he was, Tyler Stevenson in his mind was like, what, what am I doing here? Like, this isn't not, this is not the time or place for this. But to be fair, the Reds, USA veteran, to tell you what actually is going on, which is actually kind of cool. I think it's neat. They are going to have a uh, basically a montage, or what's the what's the what's the real what's the thing that they use for a collage? That's collage. what I'm looking for. They're they're going to have a collage at the end of the year of the photos of all of the home runs for the entire year with the same type of picture at the end of the dugout. So you can't not do it. But there's certainly moments like yesterday where it just is, doesn't feel right, and I. Feel bad for Tyler Stevenson for having to do that. If you're bad and you run out there with a Viking helmet and a Viking hey, cape, hey. it's it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. And I, I'm concerned that mid-September when the season's dead and they keep doing that, it's going to make me really upset. It's going to make me – like if you go to a Reds game, my, my friend Zach has this. If you go to a Reds game and it's a close game and fans start doing the wave, he'll get, he'll get noticeably pissed. He'll stand up and just – and just start walking around the stadium because he can't even handle the wave. Just because the wave is it's very unserious. It's an unserious thing to do if you're trying to win a baseball game. It's it's like it's two bad. to two Don't to one, the bottom the of the ninth, and then Jimmy Dipshit, kid oh, show. Whoa, kid, Timmy, whoa. I, okay, kid show, kid show stands up. Let's do the wave. Brother, the season's on the line. I mean, I've got better things to do than do the wave with you. So I'm gonna stand over here, I'm gonna watch my baseball game, and you can do the gimmick show to my right. But that's, but that's essentially what the Viking show is if the team is bad. I love the Viking. I'm the first one to love the Viking thing if the Reds are playing meaningful, good, fun baseball. If they're bad, if this is a 60-win team again, you got to stop it. Casey, make a poll question of the day. Are you a fan of the wave? Uh, maybe, maybe you should just make it simply. Which are you? Anti-wave, uh, love the wave. Just not to confuse people. All right. So here's the thing with the wave. I gotta, I got I gotta call Milwaukee out on the carpet here a little bit. I know they got they the best baseball lot. team in the central. I know they got the best baseball team in the central. Yeah. Reed's shaking his head. He's not sure. Yeah, they are right now. They are. I mean, I know we all don't want to act like it, but they are. Here's the thing. Went up to Milwaukee. Shout out my wife for letting us go on a baseball trip for vacation. Kind of ridiculous, but we did it anyway. So that's what happened. We went to Chicago. Watched, uh, what did we do? We watched the White Sox of all teams play, which team. which I can tell you right now, the White Sox are not good. Um, and then, uh, then we went up to Milwaukee, watched the Reds play a meaningful series when the Reds were... Um, when the Reds were in first place in the Central, um, RIP, and did get to see Imagine Dragons concert with Elliot. Not with Elliot, but Elliot was in the same crowd as me, which is kind of cool. But nonetheless, yep. that was actually the highlight of the weekend. Um, shout out Imagine Dragons. But Milwaukee, you probably remember this if you were there. I know you were there, Elliot. 
They were waxing our tail that, that, that night, that Friday night. I think that they had the dome. Is it called a dome? Whatever. The retractable roof closed. And I got to be honest, it was kind of cool in there because it was dark. The roof was closed. They had like this cool light show when, when, when that's beside the point, but I thought it was pretty cool. It was all cool until this moment happened. It was like eight to two meaningful game. The upper deck wasn't sold out at all. And they decided to do the wave. As soon as they decided to do the wave when it was eight to two in like the seventh inning, I get it wasn't two to one. Like Elliot said, I was like, this is not serious. This is not a baseball city. These people aren't serious. This is just a holdover until the Green Bay Packers start to play football again. That's all this is. They could care less about their baseball team. In fact, the reason I know they don't care about baseball is because they figured out a way to tailgate for baseball games. Have you seen that? They, they legitimately tailgate for baseball games. I'm like, it's kind of cool, but at the same time, I'm like, they're just trying as hard as they can to make this a football type thing. Doesn't, doesn't every baseball team that has like parking lot around the stadium don't they tailgate typically? no i'm talking tailgate tailgate though i don't like, think if you they go to a royals game they tailgate no right? i've been to a royals game which to be fair the the reason there probably wasn't that many fans there is they're yes. losing 150 games but <laughs> if you go but, to pirates games they tailgate uh okay brewers, I, i've not been to pirates the brewers lot's pretty elite for a tailgate i'm not gonna lie it's a pretty like i that sounds so much fun for a playoff series like just the whole city gets in that giant parking lot and they tailgate a playoff like that sounds fun to me that sounds more fun than what the Reds have, and what the Reds have is objectively better. So, I don't know. Yeah, the Brewers, they, they're very unserious people. You go to Milwaukee, everybody in the stadium knows each other. Um, they're all eating cheese curds. I had some cheese curds. Ooh. So, I, I listen, I, I love Milwaukee, but like Trey said, it's just, you know, you go there, it's not really for for the baseball. It's just like going to, like, I'm trying to think of something. It's like going to, like, a, like a, like a carnival. You're just there to, like, you know, laugh with some buddies. You're not there to actually watch baseball. That's what it can't be. I, the woo and, and the wave. The woo and the wave. They're very, un, they're very insulting things to have happened at a, at a baseball game. The wave is banned at the federal landmark on the north side of Chicago. Really? You, they do not do the wave. They will not do the wave. It's mm. banned. They'll, it do is, the, they'll do the cup snake thing, though. They will do the cup snake thing. That's fun. That's a good fun. Jolly Jolly dropped, some bo dropped a bomb. Said the Packers at Lambeau do the wave. I just seen that. That's not um, good. Not a good look. I think... I'm trying to defend the wave a little bit here. I'm not completely anti-wave, but I definitely think there's a time and a place for the wave. And I guess the time and the place is during a break, but as soon as action comes back, then the wave dissipates. In fact, the reason that you know the wave isn't that big of a deal is because if the wave is going on at any moment in a baseball game and something happens at all in said baseball game, like a home run or a double or anything important, the wave dissipates faster than you've ever seen. It's gone. All right. Did you guys, so, so the Reds are playing the Angels tonight, and we always make fun about just the yes. ridiculous stuff that happens in Angels games. Did you see on Friday that they called up their, their first-round draft choice, who's played 20 games professional baseball. He comes up, bats leadoff, gets his first ever hit. The greatest baseball player in the history of mankind, Shohei Otani, hits a grand slam. They turn a game-saving triple play in the ninth inning, and the Angels lose 9-6. to six. Just ridiculous what happens <laughs> to the tough. Angels. It's tough, <laughs> and nobody cares. You can't convince me that there's actually an Angels fan. There's just nobody that cares about that team. Is Anthony Rendon healthy? Is he playing baseball? Because that, I mean, they gave him two hundred trillion dollars. He is not. The, I think he's the worst baseball. No, player their third baseman is Moose. Oh, yeah. it's yeah. The he's, new guy. he's hurt. He's the yeah, new he's guy. Hurt. It's Fat Moose. Yeah, it's tough. Angels are tough. He's playing well. Moose Dacus is playing if well. If the Reds lose this series, I'm going to be upset. No, it's their it's last possible. series until after Labor Day. Against a team under 500. 
Trace, if the Reds get swept in this series, will you cancel the season? Yeah. You'll, you'll end the season? Uh, I think that the season's over if they get swept, yeah. Okay, all right. I believe with you. I'm, I'm with you. Casey? Casey? No. You, no. I'm still I'm sticking to my guns what I've talked about. Hey, by the way, Casey show. nailed this prediction. <laughs> nailed it. Nailed it. Right nailed after the, the All Star break, he said they'd lose every single series. They'd look dead. But <laughs> Casey then said they'd Roar win back. 90 games after having a historic September. Hey, yeah. they win every series, including a nine game win streak. The 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 Reds the Reds were projected to win 65 games or whatever. They bridged the gap as close as they could. <laughs> to the Bengals. <laughs> they did. And there's still a lot of season left. 24% chance. But at the very least, even if the Reds do go into the tank, as Elliot says, which I don't think they are. They're too talented to do that. If, if the season just sours and it goes really south in a hurry, they bridge the gap till week one of the Bengals season, which at the very least was rewarding. Like, I mean, the Reds, Reds played meaningful baseball all summer. Let me be yeah. another voice of reason here. If we're yeah. going to make comparisons about the Reds and the Bengals, the Bengals in that Super Bowl season, we were all like, oh, no, here it comes. We're 5-4. and four. The Reds are in the exact same position right now. They're almost well, – they're, they're, they're in week water, 13. They're in week 12 of the season or whatever it is. Yeah. Well, still. I mean, you get the idea. They were 7-6 and six at one point. Like, if they continue to tread water and just finish out September good – They'll be fine. But we keep saying that. they're going to tread water, and they just haven't treaded water. Like, they're at the bottom of the ocean. No, they're not. They're pretty close to it, dude. They're, they're four games of, above they're 500. Of How is that not treading water? Because they keep losing. Like, it's at, at some point, you have to win a series, then lose a series, win a series, lose a series. They're just losing series. They beat the Pirates. Right, they're a game They'll back right. in the wild card. Yeah. They're a game back in the wild card. Yeah, one game They'll back. I think I think I think Elliot's just been beat up a little bit. He had a, he had a tough past week. No spoilers, but he's been he's had a tough past week. All right, and we'll see how it all ends up. Hopefully, hopefully the Reds can win this series in Anaheim, and um, and by Anaheim I mean Los Angeles, and uh, and we'll all figure it out. The one thing I am excited about, if we're being completely frank, is that I do I do get excitement from actually getting to see Shohei Otani play a full baseball game a couple different times. Yeah, I've really not pitch. seen. I've really not seen Shohei play hardly at all. I've seen highlights, of course, but but in all seriousness, I've not witnessed Mike Trout's career, yeah. and I'm not and I'm not witnessed Shohei's Shohei Otani's career, which is kind of sad. I hope if anything, Shohei Otani gets traded to the Yankees or gets traded to somebody on the on the East Coast or like someone um, in the division, so you get to see him more. Well, definitely not, definitely not, <laughs> definitely not the Cubs, <laughs> definitely not the Cubs. Uh, in fact. Uh, the only thing that would make it even a little more of a blessing, which I'm not rooting against Shohei at all, would it would be actually um, oh, no. laugh out loud funny if oh, Shohei no. went to the Cubs and then just somehow just didn't play well and or got hurt and his career turned upside down and then it was all of a sudden the Cubs are back, they're cursed again. Hey, you that said would be kind the of curse funny. of Shohei? Listen. The curse of Shohei would be far worse than the GOAT. Listen. Be far worse than the Billy GOAT. I, it wouldn't be the first time that in the past month that um, people at Chatterbox have had been wishing very ill and, and making bold predictions against the Cubs. I mean, I, I've got clips from when the Red, when the Cubs were announced that they were buyers. Trace is laughing at them. He's just going like, "Man, what an absolutely ridiculous move it is of the Cubs to buy." It is, which it still might. It I is. mean, it still might be a terrible September. I, I mean, they got two pieces. Um, I got Kirby laughing at them. I got I got that's fine. I got Elliot literally laughing at them, literally <laughs> sitting in the chair that I'm currently at, just ha ha. You're gonna hang your hat on that Strowman that the the, the you shouldn't have got rid of Strowman. 
Well, Marcus Stroman gonna hasn't hang? pitched a single game since. Well, that's my point. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I wanted them to get rid of Stroman. <laughs> they didn't because they're buyers, baby. And they're doing fine without them. <laughs> they're doing fine without them. So, it all, I mean, it's the Reed, it's I'll, I'll say this. The Reed victory tour has me concerned. The Reed victory tour that's going to come here in late September is going to be real sad. It's going to get real ugly in this office. I might not just – I mean, you know what? I might pull. I might just take my QP. bags and walk on home. QP. So, we'll see. We'll see. No matter what happens, for the record, no matter what happens this season, I am very happy with how the Reds turned out. I am okay. The plan is working. The young guys have come up and exceeded every expectation you could have possibly had. I'm happy no matter where this season ends. If they lose 30 in a row, eh, might be upset then. But they won't do that. That's impossible. It's never happened. Never will happen. Um, so we're okay. The Reds are going to be okay. Next year, World Series is on. Fair enough. Casey, by the way, FC Cincinnati, tough loss. Do you have anything to say about that? I mean, they just got humiliated. Really embarrassing. It was bad. Are you happy that, that <laughs> it was City really bad? Took one on the chin against a rival. No, why? Well, listen, I supported the crew before the crew were was, was was the Ohio team before FC Cincinnati showed up. So I was an avid crew supporter because they were Ohio's team. But now FC Cincinnati kind of got in the way, and it's like, who do you really root for? Hell is real, L-L-L-L-L, with all the L's at the end, because that's all FC Cincinnati does to the crew. They just lose every single time. Have they beat the crew yet? Yeah, they, they beat, beat them, them earlier this year. Yeah, they, they beat them this year. They beat them 3 nothing. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, so <laughs> it was just a... Go ahead. It was just a, uh, I guess, payback a little bit. Um, <laughs> no, the FC, they have been struggling. Um, even since before the break, it was kind of very similar Funny enough, to the All-Star break, uh, the Reds started to trend down a little bit. It was the same thing with FC. They started trending down a little bit. They hit this break, and they come out really, really, really slow um, against uh, the crew. And um, it's tough, but, again, they did, they did a lot to uh, kind of solidify their spot in the playoffs. They're still, like, plus eight points, you said, I'm pretty sure. Yep, standing, so they're eight so. above the next closest team. Yeah, they'll be fine. They'll be fine. They'll eventually figure it out. Um, yeah, Nate, yeah, thanks for correcting me. Three to two. So they did score three goals, but it was a, it was a closer game than I remembered. Um, but, yeah, the, the team, they'll be okay. Um, they have some easy matchups, if I can remember correctly, towards the end of their season. Um, they still have, like, two or three tough tough games. But other than that, I think the remainder of their schedule is uh, winnable. So, Do we play Messi this week? Yeah, yes, we literally do. Wednesday at home. We do. So that's an automatic loss, right? Is he going to play? Messi versus well, FC. That, that's in play? the Lamar Hunt Cup. Yeah, so I, oh. I don't know. Maybe he will. He played in this last cup, the Gold okay. Cup. So That'll we'll, be cool. We'll, Tickets yeah, are like really $300 cool. for, for TQL. <laughs> and, and, all, and all joking aside, you know, we're, we're – we're doing our pre pre-show plan and everything like that. Um, and we sit in here like, hey, what do we want to discuss today? Let's break down the show. And, and and Casey was the first one to speak. And he said, Well, we could we could talk about FCC losing three to nothing and Spain winning the women's world cup. And, hey, and I he, did while we're on the subject of soccer, football, football, I did see the last ten minutes of that uh, England Spain match. And uh Got to be honest, um, couldn't imagine of, 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 a, of a worse scenario for England, a, a country that prides themselves on one sport, a country that really, that's all they have is one sport, a country that's lost wars, has high taxes, 
<laughs> it's a shame. England, I feel sorry for you. I feel sorry for you, especially to lose to a country um, that probably picked up soccer just as a side hobby at some point, you know? Spain? Um, well, it's just it, maybe, you know? Like England, you could say that that's the, that's the only thing that they really have from yeah. a sporting perspective. And to sit there and watch your country not only lose, but lose and not even score. Mm. That was tough. We hate on England right now. What's going on? It's tough. We gotta... It's tough. I, I feel bad for England. I feel bad for England. You know, my main concern, it. really, as I've said before, I really don't get caught up in world affairs. I really don't. I just, I just focus on what my problem is. If there is a problem, I focus on if it affects me. You know, I am worried about Ian Jabot. If Ian Jabot was watching that match, um, I'm concerned of whether yeah. or not that maybe his spirits are down. He was hoping that his women were going to bring home the World Cup, and now all of a sudden... Ian Jabot comes out for his first appearance and gives up like nine runs. That would be concerning to me. That's the only thing that I could care about that match. Shout out Ian Jabot, man. Carried the torch all the way to the end of the season. Ian Jabot has been just the, the rock this franchise has needed. And I was wrong about him. I, I bashed on Ian Jabot the whole year long. He's been great. He's been great. The pride of Great Britain. The pride of Houston, England. Is that really where he's from? Houston. I just looked out the window. Am there I supposed a, to know that? There was a, no, nobody knows it. I just looked out the window, by the way, here in Hamilton. There's a guy that was uh, holding an umbrella. Ask me if it's raining, Trace. <laughs> Why don't you give me a quick ASCII if it's hey, raining outside? Let me tell you the something. The sun is shining. Why let, are we holding umbrellas? Let me tell you something, Elliot. Outside. Yeah. Some shade, sometimes Elliot. You sometimes about? you have an elite brain. Sometimes you have an elite brain, and when the sun's shining on you, and you got to walk across the city. Out. You throw an umbrella over the shoulder and you keep yourself in the shade. All Let's right. see if Elliot, next time he's out there on the golf course, if he's complaining about water and or no trees around because they can't stand under the sun. You guys knew what you were doing. You knew there was no water on that course when you threw me out there. You knew it. Why didn't you bring your own water? Yeah, it was a mistake in hindsight. Also, for, the, for this Thursday. Pawnee Water, we're shout out. Two, we're using carts. I'm making the executive Wow. Decision. You're We're the using one who carts. said you wanted to walk. Yeah, that was I your messed advantage. up. I, you want me to say I messed up? I messed up. Elliot, wow. You said that that was an advantage that you had over Trace. Yeah, walking. it clearly wasn't. It was the worst I've ever played. So clearly, <laughs> looking back on it, might have made a mistake. Might have made a mistake. It's okay. It's all right. Ooh, I, I was thinking about this. Not to change the subject, but we're going to have to change the subject. Joe Mixon has gone on an anti-reporter rant. Yes. Who do you think hates reporters more, Brandon Phillips or Joe Mixon? Because Brandon Phillips didn't like our boy C-Trent, really hated him. But Joe Mixon is just going on the I'm not going to talk to you rant. No, he's not speaking to any reporters. Ooh, the cold shoulder. Cold shoulder. Well, just cold just shoulder. for specifically, for reporters specifically. He never board. said chatterbox, so maybe we can get some exclusive interview with him. Yes. I definitely think that if, if, if we really went hard in the paint on getting Joe Mixon interview, then I think we could get it. The question is, is what, what, what what's the point of the interview outside of just having fun? Like, I that... That's the thing that, uh, as a part of Chatterbox, I'd like to get to. That if we ever did start doing like uh, interview, uh, interviewing athletes in the city, which I would suspect that if we ever get big enough, which maybe one would argue we're already there, I don't know, but um, I would like to do interview with athletes. But I would like it to be a little more like down to earth, fun. Like Correct. I just don't, I just don't see the value in asking guys like. Um, football questions when you know they're not going to give you real answers. So what's the point? It's just like this big game of. Uh, uh, of who's who, I guess. Like, who, you know, 
who's on first. I don't know what's on second type situation it. where it's like, I, I don't now to be fair, if I'm a reporter and I think that you are a really, really good football mind and you're respected in the football community and you don't make it personal, I would like for reporters to ask very pointed football questions. I, and I hate to say this, I just don't think, I think it's too hard to have the, what's the right thing that I'm trying to say? I think it's too hard to work for a corporation that usually is in the clicks business. And if you're in the clicks business, usually you try to have baity topics and usually it's not in great will. Um, I, I think it's hard to earn respect is what I'm getting at in a locker room and or a clubhouse and or to a head coach if you work for a big organization that does those types of things because you're probably not going to get the answers that you'd hope nine times out of ten. And then on top of that, not only do you have to have the respect for who, you, for, for, for who you're actually working for um, from that clubhouse, then you also have to have that individual respect. And then on top of that, you have to be knowledgeable enough about football that you genuinely can push and ask very pointed questions in the heat of a moment and not back down from those heated questions. All, all that being said, you're not going to have hard questions asked. People are always like, why don't the journalists ask hard questions? Well, probably because you ask one hard question, you don't have a lot of respect to begin with. Yep. But to begin with, you get zero answers for the rest of the year. Guess what happened with the whole Joe Mixon thing? They're going to get zero answers now out of Joe Mixon. Are you on Joe Mixon's side of this, or are you on the the, the, the the journalist side? Where are we at in the room on this? Joe Mixon does seem thin-skinned a little bit here. It's just I, I don't know what else you wanted the reporters to do than, like, did you have a gun or not, buddy? Like, the report says you have a gun. I have to ask you if you have a gun. Like, that's just, I don't, that's just how the story works. But to Joe Mixon's credit, having his address leaked and having not good. being declared guilty before he was ever declared innocent is tough. Yeah. It's just not. It's not cool. I'm so yeah. I, I, I'd say I'm, I'm more on Joe Mixon's side at this point than I am on the reporter side. But we'll see. I mean, I could. It, I, I I don't know. I I think Joe Mixon's in the right as of right now. I mean, he was legally he is in the right. So I love a good grudge. If he's going to be a grudge guy, I'll stand with him. I'll be right on the grudge line. He plays running back, so I don't. I don't <laughs> that's my take. I don't. I don't. It doesn't matter. I don't think it matters. If the Bengals are good and the Joe Mixon stuff, as long as it doesn't detract from the Cincinnati Bengals play, I don't. I don't care. You know. I don't care if he's feuding with the media or not. I also don't care either, for the record. Yeah, we I don't. Should, I, I just. I don't care. We should get Elliot to do a Caleb Presley styled interview with Joe Mixon, and it'll be great. Here on Chatterbox, Sports. I'd love it. I'd throw so many finger guns. I'd just be doing silly stuff that whole interview. That would be great. Can we can we talk about how we call it a Caleb Presley style interview when it was a Zach Galifianakis? Pronounce that name right. He yep. did that first. Yeah. Same yeah. idea, yeah. And he now this first, now right? this Bobby now this Bobby girl is very much doing the same thing as the other two. Yeah, They're just, just just trying to make it like really fun and awkward and awkward, interesting. Right? Yeah. I, there's no doubt that there is a uh, an interview style there that you have to be talented at to do and humorous. Uh, you have to be pretty witty to be able to do that. I don't think that anyone can just pull that off. However, there does need to be like obviously journalists to go in and ask pointed questions after games. There's the, I'm not saying that everything doesn't need to be serious. I just think at Chatterbox, the way that we're designed, that we're built, I think I would rather lean on the side of humor than to sit here and try to get the X's and O's out of somebody perhaps 
the only thing about the whole situation with Joe Mixon that I want to bring up is if I was in Joe Mixon's shoes, I think I would take it upon myself to be witty back, not just shut him off completely. Yeah. I think I would just, and maybe Joe doesn't feel comfortable doing that because he thinks that his words have been, been twisted too many times and he's just anti-media right now. And the reason I think he's probably anti-media has a lot to do with the way that his illegal situations have gone, not what he gets asked in the locker room. I know that, uh, is it Baby or Ben Baby, I think is the guy's name. I know that he his agent obviously was the one that kind of spilled the beans to him on Twitter that said, hey, the reason that we don't want to talk to you guys is because you have a, you're always looking for a negative uh, story. Well, the reason they're always looking for a negative story is because that's what humans like in general. More times than not, they're going to click on an article that it has negative connotation to it than positive connotation to it. That's why the media cycle is what it is, and that's why we as humans suck. If we're being honest, that's why we as humans suck. We don't want to read the positive stories. We don't want to look for the positive comments. You know what I'm saying? There could be 15 people in this show that say we do a great job. One person calls you out, Elliot, and says you're absolutely terrible at your job. Yep. What do we all focus on? What do we all talk about? It's going to be the one person that says you suck at your job. Yep. Same thing with the media. They're looking for clicks. They're trying to do their job as best that they can. And unfortunately, in that news cycle and in the way that that goes, it is to be negative. Casey worked in a newsroom before he got here. He can tell you the news basically is nothing but just garbage all day long. And the reason it's garbage all day long is because that's, for whatever reason, what the people want to sit there and watch. I don't know if it's in our human brain, makes us feel better about ourselves, makes us think that our lives are better than those other people's. But let's be honest. The, the, the biggest television show in the world that probably had the most success for the longest time was Cops. Yep. Why is that? Because it's entertaining to people that, for some reason in our psychological brain, we, we draw our eyes to that. And negativity, for whatever reason, always works. It just does. Every clip that we do on this damn show, most of the time, if it's, if it's viral or, or does well on socials or it does well on YouTube, it's a negative thing. It's Marty says that Bart Scott is an ass clown. Boom. 100,000 views. Marty says that Greg Vaughn is the, is, is, the, is the best hitter that he's seen in one single season. 25 views. I don't know why it does it, but that's what it is. I'm not going to kill Ben Baby because that's how he goes about his business and Kelsey Conway because that's how she goes about her business. I personally, I know you can't do this. I said this on the show. I'll say it time again. We're going to say how we truly feel on this show, and we're going to say how we truly feel at Chatterbox as long as I'm running it. And if it means we get clicks, then great. If it doesn't mean we don't get clicks and we have to shut our doors down, then so be it. But at least you know we're true and authentic. I like to think over time that would sell. Rather than Kelsey Conway and Ben Baby stirring up a narrative that gets them an extra 1,000 clicks yep. at their newspaper. Um, I don't know why. and Maybe you guys can put some color on this or the chat might tell me why. Why... Why Jay Morrison? I know that maybe it's just because he's been on the show. Maybe because I, I don't know, I like Jay. Maybe I'm being naive here. And why James Rapine also been on the show, like James. Why why them, though? Did they do something? They both reported that Joe should be cut if he didn't take a pay cut, I believe. And then also about this other things. I mean, just... That's which he should just have, doing which he should your have job, been. yeah. Which, I mean, like, it's, it was better for the team if, if he got cut, if he didn't take a pay cut. But he did take a pay cut. That's why he's on the team. And luckily, he's committed to winning. And and luck, and luck not luckily, but 
he's been acquitted of everything, so it should just be in the rearview mirror. Uh, people have to do their jobs, right? Yeah, that and seems a little soft by Joe. It's People have to do their jobs, and a lot of these jobs are in in conflict with one another, right? Like, like baseball players getting mad when the announcers say something negative about them. Their job isn't to be a propaganda machine for the team. Their job is to explain what's going on in the field. And and that's that, right? I mean, so if, if you're playing bad and the, the announcer says that you play bad, then then those things should be in conflict with one another. And it shouldn't be taken personally. I have an idea. I think eventually this happens. I don't know when it'll happen, but it'd be really, really, really great for everyone if it did happen. I don't know how it happens, but Major League Baseball is getting ready to take their media rights over, right? I think it would be fantastic if they made it to where the team uh, basically paid Major League Baseball for said, you know, right fees, if you want to call it that. Otherwise, Major League Baseball allows people to pay them to cover their sport. Software programming... A lot of times, I'm not suggesting it's the only way to look at life, but I honestly think if you look at what, if you look in the way in which software in general is built, and the way that code has to be built from the ground up, it teaches you, it teaches you a lot about just how to build something to success. Where I'm going with this is open source software. A lot of times, is a unbelievable, powerful way to build something. And many times it remains, and obviously it is free more times than not when it's open source, largely because it's a community built thing. And there are, there are checks and balances that goes with this because there are people, there's enough people in the community that want to, that want to make sure that it's built in a correct and standard way. Wikipedia in a way did this first on the internet, right? You could, you could argue and you all, this is what cracks me up. I'm going to go a little anti, anti big big school stuff here. So bear with me. I'm not trying to say that school's not important, but I am saying this. You heard your teachers tell you over and over and over again, you can't cite Wikipedia. Why? Because it might not be true. Well, over time, guess what happened on Wikipedia? They figured that out. Why? Because they made it to where it was open source. They gathered information. They took the information in, they made it public. They gathered information, made it public. Wikipedia, if we're being honest, is a very, very great place to go find information. Yep. Unbelievable. Yep. Unbelievable place. You might want to say that they slandered Wikipedia, if we're being completely honest. The, the, the big schools, I don't want to call them big journalists, Wikipedia is a place that you can go and find information very quick and very easy. If I was MLB, and really almost any league, NFL is so successful it's hard to mess with that, but the MLB, one that's, that's fighting for their lives to be able to get market share, that wants people to become interested in it, I think they have a good product now. I really do. I think the product has gotten significantly better since they implemented these rule changes. I wish they would make it to where there were, and I know I'm, I am very biased in saying this because of Chatterbox, but if Chatterbox Sports wanted access to be able to call the games, and we wanted to do that, I think that you should be able to pay a fee to Major League Baseball and you should be able to call the games on YouTube and do it however you wish to do it. What's it matter? It shouldn't be this good old boy club to where it's like, oh, the Cincinnati Reds get to control every single thing that happens to them. Well, that's not great for the league because you just said something that made me think, I don't know if that's always the case. 
you said that the broadcaster's job is to not be propaganda for their team. And let's be honest, it's going to become that way more and more, especially when you're able to, to suspend an announcer for sitting there saying a stat on air at Tropicana Field. That's ludicrous. So if these teams go so far down the beaten path to where it feels like you don't get an actual real voice that's calling the game, there should be an out, there should be another outlet that's at, that's that's afforded that opportunity. And if people like listening to it, they can go and listen to it. And if they don't, then it won't survive because that's the way that our world economics work. It'll go out of business if not enough people care. All right. Fred M says there's a lot of old money in pro sports. That's why there's a lot of old money in a lot of big establishments. That's the facts, and I know that's why things don't change. I know I'm naive. I'm not naive to that. I get that, but I would like to think that at some point. That'll change. I don't know when, but it might. We'll see. It'd be fun. And I still, I still, um, this is where maybe as a leader, I should do a better job. I really think, uh, maybe I'll do it at the end of this year. I really think the Reds, if, if the Reds do have full control over their media, they need to do, how do I say this? They need to do a better job. It's a strong word. They have so many opportunities that they're not excelling at that, that they should 100% do. I don't understand why they don't have, like, behind-the-scenes stuff, all-access stuff. Again, like, basically a a, a subscription-type service like The Athletic, of all things, where you could legitimately be the first in the know based off the fact that the Reds control their media. If that's how they're going to do it, then why don't they actually use it to their advantage instead of it just being like this... Uh, TV rights deal, and then you sell your rights to Bally, largely because I'll tell you why they don't want to deal with it. That's what it is. You Trevor, make enough Trevor money. Trevor Bauer to deal tried with it. to do it. Tried to give you like a little inside vlogging type thing. Yeah, MLB didn't like that. MLB why? Because they didn't. It. They didn't have the. They didn't. They. They weren't the ones that were going to yep. financially benefit from it. And that would. You would think. You would think that would spark an idea in their mind. Like, hey, we need to take control of this. We need to start doing it. In fact, as much as you might hate Trevor Bauer, and there's reasons as to why you should hate Trevor Bauer, I'm not here to be naive to that, his YouTube channel, you can say whatever you want about it. It's a flying success. The thing is very successful. And he does a pretty decent job on those if you've watched them. Now, I know you might hate him and you might say, oh, I can't stand that guy. I don't want to watch it. That's fine. All right. Yash is saying, if Trace can run a five-minute mile, I forgive him. I don't know is, what I need to forgive him for, but I am not running a five-minute mile. If, is Trevor <laughs> Bauer's YouTube channel, would it be as successful if he was still in the league and none of that stuff ever happened? Um, yes. You Might think so? be more successful. You think it's more successful? You don't think that? I agree. I think it's more successful. Okay. Yeah, I think I would, it is. I would disagree. You think he just got famous because of what he did? Or what no, he I, think that, I think that the channel gave insight after... When when no when they could get it from nowhere else, right? It, it, it gave okay. insight to what he was doing when he wasn't on TV all the time, pitching. It, gave, it just it was a perspective that people were intrigued because of what happens. Okay. I don't I don't think it's as successful if he's if none of that stuff happens. Well, we'll never know, uh, Casey. I don't know if you have a cherry on top, but if you don't have one, try to round one up here in the next few minutes. And uh, I had a cherry on top. And uh, we, as always, have to pay the bills around here. You know that. And one of the ways to pay the bills is to do ad reads. <laughs> last time, I'm not just saying this. I believe this. Last time we did ad reads, I think Casey McAllister might have done the best ad reads we've done since we started doing this show. Now, how he tops that, I don't know. Will he ever top it again? Maybe not. But we can at least try it. Because at this time, we need to pay the bills around here. 
So all go right. do us Let's a go, favor Let's and go, Let's Casey. listen to Casey McAllister give us the best ad reads of all time. All right, folks. The Bengals report, because we talked about the Bengals in the preseason earlier on in the show, is brought to you by Encore Technologies. Encore Technologies provides IT solutions for a data center world with a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to data center. Supporting both centralized and work-from-home computing modules to improve efficiency and productivity. productivity. Visit Encore.tech. The path to innovation begins here. And do you know about the new premium alkaline water out, Pawnee? Boy, do I have to tell you about this stuff. It tastes really good. It is pure water. No added ingredients to it whatsoever. Pawnee water was made here in Hamilton, Ohio. Pawnee uses natural limestone filtration, unlike the artificial processing that many other brands use. The result is a healthy alkaline water that is also the best tasting water in the world. You can visit their website at pawneewater.com. That's P-A-H-H-N-I water.com to see where you can buy this great tasting water. And let me tell you, I did my own testing on it too. It is better than the pH level says on the bottle here. It is a very, very good water for you, especially for uh, if you're looking for high pH leveled waters. And why so, would you, you look, look for high pH water, folks? Why would you want that? Well, the only reason you'd want that is if you want to be hydrated. That's that's part of the uh, that's part of the scientific method of making sure you're hydrated. So, you know, I don't know if you believe in science or you believe in analytics, but if you do. If you believe in those two things, you should drink Pawnee Water and Pawnee Water exclusively because it's the best for you. All right. Um, Casey, I sent you a cherry on top. All right. On all your right. Twitter DM. Love that. So here's the last uh, last thing I want to talk about is college football is back. College football is back this Friday. Uh, it will be the last day that we don't have to have college football again. Yep. Reed, Reed said he's, he's going to take us all to the Notre Dame game. Is that what he said? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, if I get tickets, do you want to go? Well, this, this is the real thing. Yeah, if I get tickets to the Notre Dame game, would you go? You got to get yourself there. At Notre Dame Stadium. No. Where it's is this Ireland. at? It's in Ireland. It's in Dublin, Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> this is what he did to me this morning. It but just guy, he's full of bits. Troll. This guy, dude. I mean, seriously. I was. Saying- I thought for the first time in Chatterbox history, Reed Mouse was going to come in here with some connections he had. He was going to treat the team. Treat the team. Everybody was going to be able to go and do something fun off off Reed's connections. Um, he was going to replace Big League Paul. He's kind of kind of re- sliding into that same realm. No, this guy wants to come at me with. If I get there, he'll get me tickets. Where's the game? Ireland. Oh, okay. This makes sense now. This is a Reed special. Should have seen it coming a mile away. Should have known that this game was in Ireland. Why didn't I see this game was in Ireland? I don't know. Should have known. How long until college football games are played in? Oh no! Why did I lose it? Oh no! Where? where Dubai. <laughs> Dubai. <laughs> so they play in Dubai. I don't know. What do you mean? Know. Why would they play money? It's such a random. Why Dubai? Why couldn't it just be any country outside of America? Are we well, serious? Playing serious right I mean, right I mean besides besides Europe. Does college am I, football have the desire to grow a global game? Because I don't think they do. Am I being an idiot right would, now? Is Dubai not the same place where it's the the basically the the PF fund where you know 
Correct, but like, what is what would like? Why would Dubai want college? Like, the NFL makes sense because they're trying to grow sports washing. Maybe I don't know. Okay. Maybe the same reason they're gonna give, uh, they're the same reason they're gonna give uh, Deontay Wilder and AJ uh, Anthony Joshua a billion dollars to fight there because they love sports, and the only way to get somebody to their country to play said sports is to do what? Pay them off. You don't think that perhaps they call a couple college football teams? I don't it know. It take a lot for college Alabama football. and Ohio State maybe to play their opening game in Dubai on some field that's floating across the ocean? Wouldn't shock me if they did. And, you, and then they're going to be like, why would Alabama and Ohio State want to do that? I don't know, because they're going to get a billion dollars a piece to do it. It's coming. It's coming. It's in full. Put it this way. The only reason there, ha there hasn't been a college football game over there yet is because they haven't thought of it yet. If you sent this clip to the powers to be there, yeah. there'd be a football game there tomorrow. Definitely going to be a... <laughs> well, definitely like going to be a meaningless I mean. bull at some <laughs> that, point there, too. The National Football League has... It would make sense if they're trying to gr grow a global game. I just don't think that's the goal of college football. I don't. I, don't, I just. I just don't think a lot of people care about college football outside of the United States, and I don't think that'll ever be the case. When does the Saudis start to try to make their own league and start plucking away NFL players? That probably mm. that that mm. will happen. And and to say like I don't. I, yeah, you're right. If they play some big football game. In the United Arab Emirates at, in Dubai, sure, that, that could happen. I just, I, I guess, I don't see the purpose. Unlike the other sports, I don't see the purpose. Okay, well, Sean says the U.S. Open Cup is on Wednesday. Okay, buddy, <laughs> whatever you say, whatever you what say. What is that? That's that's the soccer thing. That's that's Messi coming to that's Cincinnati. The it's the soccer. It's, oh, that's Messi. It's three hundred dollars for soccer. All right, hey, could you uh, put the cherry on top, Casey? This is a fun one. It's a fun one. So the Phillies were playing at the Williamsport game. They always do this. They were because it's the Little League World Series. Hamilton. Hamilton did very well in the Little League World Series once, right? Two years ago. Two years ago. So they did this. Came in second place. The MLB does this every every year. Uh, they go to Williamsport, they play a game. And this is Bryson Stott. He had, his bat is a pencil. His bat is a number two pencil. It's very cool. That is cool. That is kind it of looks, cool. I like, I, it, took me, I, I, it took me like 30 minutes to find out if this was Photoshopped or not. It's a real thing, apparently. That's actually his bat that he used in the game. Bryson Stott having a fantastic year. Great year. He's got a four war. Great year. Would lead the Reds in war. Major League Baseball allowed that. I'm surprised. Wow. So obviously it's the same bat. It's just that they somehow made the colors yeah. different. But I didn't think Major League Baseball would would allow such fun. To be honest, is it like painted? Kudos to MLB. Paint. Just paint. Yeah, it's just strictly paint. So it's not anything that looks different uh, or nothing's actually physically different um, with the bat itself. So yeah, they should be able to use it, I guess. But you would think that they would come up with some excuse like the bat's too distracting or. I don't know, something along those lines. That's here nor there. All right, tomorrow uh, we'll see how it goes 
We'll be back better than ever tomorrow, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m., obviously on the Eastern Standard Time. That's what we're doing. I don't know if it's Eastern Standard or Eastern Daylight Time. Like I said before, I don't keep up with that type of stuff. But, you know, 12, 12 o'clock Eastern will be off the air. 10 a.m. Eastern will be on air. That's how uh, we plan to start tomorrow's show. And what we're going to talk about tomorrow, who knows. I would like to say, though, out loud, publicly, that I am hopeful that we can get the, uh, the match done if it's not going to be done by tomorrow it'll definitely be done by wednesday that way everybody knows where we stand going into our match on thursday elliot's going to have to figure out a way to get us a tea time for thursday uh before it's too late and he has a an excuse although he says he's not an excuse maker we'll find out if that's the case until next time this has been off the bench with trace fowler and the gang thank you for watching we'll see you tomorrow